the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are heading back to Buffalo Bill country with Special Agent Starling in Silence of the Lambs spin-off Clarice on Alibi. Heading on a particularly time-sensitive holiday with David Tennant in Around the World in 80 Days on BBC One. And also on the B, we take a look at the joys of marriage in Sarah Phelps' tale of the Duke and Duchess of Argyle's turbulent nuptials in a very British scandal. And speaking of which, Phelpsy herself will be with us a little bit later on to discuss said scandal with Boyd. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, the last regular Pilot TV podcast of 2021. But do not fret because there will be a review of the year special for you to enjoy between Christmas and the new year. But until then, there's another week of top telly that requires our tender ministrations. And in this, the last week before the goose gets fat, before Santa comes down the chimney and that complete expanse novel hardback collection winds up under my tree. But joining me in this festive broadcast are my two Christmas elves. However, we have a slight change in the lineup this week because while I am, of course, joined by TV's Boyd Hilton, Beth Webb, our intrepid contributor, will no longer be joining us on the show as we move presenter duties entirely in-house, unfortunately. So from here on in, the Pilot TV podcast will be brought to you by Empire's newly minted news editor. Hang on, <laughs> let me just let me just get the details up. Uh, his name is. Beth, Elizabeth Webb, Elizabeth Webb, our new news editor. Well, that's an extraordinary coincidence, an extraordinary coincidence. A pleasure to have you here. Now, I have to ask, what on earth made you want to spend more time with Boyd and myself? Because I'm a fucking masochist is probably why. And as if uh, I didn't think that 2022 is going to be fruity enough. I thought, why not just, I'm, I'm a toe in so far, I might as well just jump all the way in at this stage. That seems fair. That seems yeah. fair. You've been squatting for a while, so you get, what? <laughs> what is it, squatter's rights? What was that thing that you used to get if you like squatted in a place long enough and then you kind of, they couldn't remove you and then Thatcher would come along and change that but you know so I, so I wore you down is what yeah is what you're saying is what we're saying you, you wouldn't leave we tried to get rid of you we couldn't and so it's just like fuck it we might as well just pay her she's here anyway um so that's good boys looking baffled because this is news well, to you isn't it boy okay i just say i don't know what the fuck you're talking about first of all beth, like, beth i mean i think i've got Empire's, the hang of it yeah, I was about to say, you probably caught the gist. Beth is Empire's new news editor. She is now a member of the official full-time team, part of the furniture, etc., etc. Congratulations! I mean, that is amazing. I can't believe you are. Yeah, you're you're throwing yourself into the <laughs> nest of absolute nerd doofuses. Um, <laughs> I mean, just think that next year you'll be able to be patronised by me daily. I mean, I all know. day. Every day, James Blanations from dawn till dusk. It's going to be glorious. Yes. Yes. Oh, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this announcement, when is this announcement being made then? Because as we speak, this announcement, I was just like looking, as you, I didn't know what, what you were going on about, James. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> um, absolute news to me. So when's, yeah. the, when's the official, you know, it has not been made beginning. yet as we record. Wow. So this is an Yo. exclusive, a yeah. pilot yeah. TV exclusive. Yeah. I need my, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying a goddamn thing till I see that contract, but. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. fair. fair. That is fair. This could be a horrible bait and switch. Uh, <laughs> no, an elaborate practical joke. Uh, but yes, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be out in the, in the Twitter sphere by the time this, this comes out. Yes, I believe so. In fact, as I recall, as as we record this, Boyd, as we record this on mm. Thursday morning, I believe the announcement has been made to the Empire team at this very moment in the How morning exciting. meeting. So, How exciting. Yeah. We should have there a live link, br- link to the uh, <laughs> yeah. the Empire team's meeting. For the first time on this podcast, we're actually current with some news, so that's, uh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That's good because I suggest, uh, it's good that because Beth really, you know, 
Beth is the key element of the Pilot TV podcast, and also I believe so. I so I I'm told does the Empire podcast quite frequently. So there's a big like, and I suggested I bumped into Chris Hewitt outside the Spider-Man screening the other night, and I suggested to him that we do a kind of D- DC versus Marvel Pilot TV versus Empire <laughs> podcast kind of special some of some kind. He seemed up for it. So and Beth could be like the whole crux of the whole thing like crossing over the streams i mean i know you do as well but you know you're <laughs> thank different. you thank you boyd this, this is on every week i'm yeah. the only person who isn't on the fucking empire podcast Let's <laughs> yeah. well uh i will say that uh it actually isn't beth we want we're really just using beth to get to her parents who have both debuted <laughs> On the Empire Podcast, and really, that's all we wanted. We just thought, how do we get Mr. and Mrs. Webb on the Empire Podcast more? Yeah. I think if we hire Beth, then they kind of have to do it. So that's, you know, I mean, the, clearly the high point of the Empire Podcast this year was uh, was Beth's dad coming on and talking about sex toys. So that was, uh, oh was, that was, I bet that was pretty spoke, special. I bet they'd rather be on the Pilot TV Podcast. <laughs> I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. And we'll see if we can make that happen at some point in 2022. Um but but back to 2021 and uh well the last week really so what have we been watching anything exciting uh what have i been watching i watched the i did watch the second episode of and just like that and boy it's lost me it's completely oh, no. lost me with that oh, episode God. yeah no i um <laughs> I mean, I did read Terry's review in that time as well, which did uh, not pursue for around. Uh, I should <laughs> yeah. mention, yeah. I should <laughs> mention, because neither of you were being sane when we did last week's podcast and you were both singing the praises of the show which is objectively terrible i i was like i, was like, I need help i need help so i immediately texted terry i said terry please tell me i'm not going insane she was like i fucking hated it i was like brilliant write the review please so i can put it up on the website so she tore it a new one and we put yeah. it up on the site and i felt i felt very happy yeah it's uh it's just i i was on board i was very much on board for the first episode but it's completely lost me this episode and my main qualm my main qualm with the films was how it had to go back and undo some of the wholesomeness of the of your steves of your aidens it felt like the only way it can move forward was to make them terrible people which felt just just completely all sorts of wrong and then Mm. with this it feels like they have to make the core cast terrible in order to move on. So they've made Miranda this sort of wildly unwoke alcoholic. Charlotte is just like the epitome of, of an emotional frantic woman who dyes her hair. Carrie, <laughs> I don't know what Carrie's playing out, but I guess we can attribute that to Big. But it's the Samantha storyline out, which is just making absolutely no sense to me. I'd, I'd rather they just cut her out completely because this just feels completely against everything that happened in the show like there's just there's just no way it was very sweet when she sent the flowers but there's just right. no way that that's where it would be where it would, it would end you, you were moved you were moved when she sent the flowers like, yeah the i was flowers. moved yeah but yeah it has it has lost me and i've looked down the episode list and there's an episode called diwali and i'm i'm dreading it <laughs> I'm uh, so yeah i i am i am wondering if i even for this because i love the show so inherently and i i do wonder if people feel the same about spin-offs and, and what not if you if you actively avoid spin-offs but you know kind of what direction it's going to to kind of preserve your love for the the original thing i mean i just about made it through the second film but this this might actually yeah. be the thing that loses me um yeah which is such a oh, shame that's a shame, yeah. about this, that's a shame. Yeah. 
I think maybe it's because I mean I do actually have thinking I mean quite soon after we recorded last week's episode I did think I should there's no way I should have picked it as the pick of the week so I I recant that immediately I've already done Excellent. a reverse spirit on that um, <laughs> but I think maybe because I I like you know I've always admired and liked the show um, particularly in its early early days yeah. but I definitely got less and less bothered by it or interested in it as time went on um yeah. and so and certainly obviously the the the, set, the films the second film being one of the worst things ever committed to celluloid but um so i don't have i don't have as i'm not as invested in it as i think as you are and terry definitely as terry is so I, I don't have that i don't have that encyclopedic knowledge of it or you know i think i've seen every episode but I, it's not something that i don't you know it's not one of my favorite things really i just yeah. i think it's good i think it's really good you know and groundbreaking but so I just enjoy. I, I think the new episodes are fine and pretty good, and you know I'm not offended by them as, as Terry was certainly. <laughs> but I mean, her argument was compelling. But um, so like, yeah, so all, everything you're saying about the case doesn't. It's not bothering me yet. I watched the third episode, which I thought was good as well. I thought it was. It's it's kind of yeah. I don't know. I'm just. I'm fine with it. Is, is the bottom line? Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with this. Well, I'm okay, okay with, with it show. officially. And there was a really funny. You know the the peloton. The whole peloton thing. I think is <laughs> is funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's impressive that they turned it around. Was it 24 yeah. hours they turned oh, yeah. that around? Ryan Reynolds, Genius. Chris Genius. Knows. Yeah. yeah, that is some quality publicity and marketing. And as I pointed out um, on Twitter this week, Lane Kirby Enthusiasm, Larry David, there's just a little throwaway line where Larry David explains that he's not, he, he feels he's been injured, and he said he injured his testicle getting off the Peloton. Yeah. So Peloton <laughs> is now like become such cult, such a cultural phenomenon that it's in sex, the Sex and the City thing and Kirby Enthusiasm. Bruised his testicle. Bruised his testicle. But yeah. I, I love the fact that their share price took a hit after that and just like yeah. that episode. Yeah. yeah. It did, but they're claiming that it was coincidental. They are oh, claiming it's coincidental. Are they now? As yeah. If. Yeah. As if. I mean, my final thing to say on that a, an amazing piece of reporting that was done on Vulture. Um, a journalist spoke to first line responders to see if Carrie could have saved Big. Oh, that's great. If she'd done the appropriate... And they were like, yes! They were like, no, she definitely killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's alive when she gets there. She doesn't even attempt CPR. She just hugs him. It's It's like, don't hug him. Chest compressions, woman. Yeah, it's (laughs) been my favourite thing. Jonah Hill as well took to Instagram and just wrote on a post, Carrie, you should have called 911 instantly. So it's become like a real thing. But this wonderful piece of reporting where she's spoken to multiple people and they're like no they should have done compressions instantly 911 instantly yes he would have made it if she'd done everything <laughs> she was supposed to have done it's a brilliant piece I can't, <sighs> I can't stress it enough read Terry's review and then go and read that and then read that it's brilliant I love it I also, if you watch that it. scene again I watch that scene again if you think of it as a horror film it works really well because basically like, <laughs> like the horror is she's almost like enabling him to die She's like staring yeah. at him, like, are you dying? And he's kind of staring yeah, back at her going, yes, I'm dying. And I'm not going to do anything about it. Just let go, Big. Just let go. Go yeah, into the yeah. night. Yeah. Go into the light. She's a killer. She's killed yeah. before. She's a- She'll kill again. Perhaps that's what this series is. It's yeah. actually yeah. a really dark thriller. And it's mm. going to uncover that she was responsible for a load of unsolved murders in the 90s. And yeah. uh, um, yeah, Clarice will solve it. Um, well, we'll see about that. Okay, and just like that, anything else? Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye did some fun stuff this week. I don't know why I keep treading on the toes of your spoiler specials, but uh, that was great. MCP Universe is in full swing, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, my guy Vince is back. That's exciting. Um, so, yeah, that's a good one. Also, slight segue, but I saw Spider-Man. 
this week and without giving spoilers away some great character actors from some great shows come up in that and i was more excited to see them in it than some of the central characters so that was great do you know what we discussed this a little bit on the hawkeye Spoiler special in that, that it was a great episode i loved the most recent hawkeye i thought it was fantastic but after you've seen no way home it felt a little bit flat because nowhere home was such an event uh that it kind of and and because there's some not overlap exactly but there's some sort of thematic crossover i was like oh okay you know but i yeah i really enjoyed it i think uh florence pew is a delight oh as yelena God, i love her in this so much she's so fucking funny um and i think Haley steinfeld is basically getting better and better with every episode so yeah i'm i'm enjoying hawkeye a lot i was a little bit like i, enjoyed, I liked it from the start but i was maybe not entirely sold on it. I am now 100% sold on this. Like, mm. I'm, I'm loving this. Absolutely loving Hawkeye. Just in time for it to end next week. Yeah, just in time for it to finish. <laughs> Perhaps it's the Christmassy thing. Speaking of Christmassy things, did either of you watch the Ted Lasso Christmas special? Yes. Yes. What, I was going to mention that. Yeah. One? It's an animated short. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It is 10 minutes long. Nah, it. And it's like a claymation episode Same. of Ted Lasso. Uh, and it's like the Christmas missing moustache something. It's fun. It, it's fun. It, it's actually. It's, but the the best thing about I mean, it was just, I thought it was a nice little thing. I mean, all the little kind of like claymation versions of the characters are fun. But my yeah. favorite thing about it was the the claymation animated version of the title sequence where yeah, they yeah. all gather in the stadium <laughs> and the seats, you know, all of that and the little oh, tune. And it was cute. really cute. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So right. and it's a sweet little sweet little gift. It's a it's a little it's a little treat, isn't it? Although I I do feel like this short was kind of like a parable everything I don't like about animation. Now, sorry, I apologise. So I know I've done a, re- a reverse ferret on animation to an extent, but, but but you know how like Ted Lasso has a very particular tone and then this did not have the same tone as Ted Lasso. Like there was a level of stupidity and absurdity to this that you don't get in the main show because it's animation. Like they're all pulling off their eyebrows and doing things like that. Like it's, and I was just like, I don't know why the animated medium gives licence for stupidity. Now, I, I, perhaps this is just me. I don't know, but that bothered me about this and I didn't enjoy it because it's not the right That's time. That's so funny. I That's so funny. I don't know how you can even vaguely see this as in the same like world as Arcane. It's just so strange that you're like, oh, well the thing is about animation, it's like being like, I know, I know. Is, I know. Films. And you're it's, right. Uh, animation is a medium, not a genre. I completely get that as genres within animation. But I think what I don't have, it's not the genre, it's the medium that I often struggle with, as yeah. we've discussed many, many times on this. And well, we'll we'll get into Arcane in a little bit. But 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 for this, it's like that I felt like the the change in medium fundamentally altered the genre here. And I don't know why that needed to be the case. I think you could have changed the medium and kept the tone and the same thread of humor you have in the show. I don't know why it needed to be different. Right. Um, you, I, I tell you, well, because they what the, almost the point of it was, wasn't it? Why would they do a little animated treat anyway? Mm. Um, so apart from the fact that maybe they're all in different places, so they can just record yeah. the audio from wherever they are. But equally, like you, they, so they did something that, that his moustache had gone missing that you couldn't do that would be absurd to do in in a in a in a live action situation. So. I don't know. I mean, I think if you, yeah, if you, I think we're taking it overly seriously. Is what I'm saying it's a fun little thing. Don't fucking you know bang on about animation. I don't think this is the crux of the animation live action debate. I think no. it's just like a a sweet little thing. Bonus. Well, what they did that- is watch Community Arbed's Uncontrollable Christmas, which was a beautiful claymation animation special, and be right. like, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Um, right. Any yeah, I'll, I'll wait to see what it's about. But yeah, that is quite funny that that's the. 
Yeah. That's the big animation yeah. debate to close. That's it. That's it. It's the Ted Lasso yeah. short. And has animation ruined Ted Lasso? That's yeah, the, yeah, that's the headline here. Um, <laughs> other things I have watched this week, I've been pressing on with Dexter, which I'm enjoying enormously. And I've oh. realised when watching Dexter okay. that they do something you don't see very often these days, and for good reason. You remember way, way, way back when, before you were born, Beth, back, way, way, way back when, when TV shows used to begin. <laughs> and you remember like they used to do that flash forward where they'd show you the highlights of the show you were about to watch before the show began? Remember this? Yes. And it's like, I never understood what that was. What Like people were going to turn it off if they couldn't see how the episode ended before it began. Like I, I never understood that. And Battlestar Galactica weirdly used to do that in the title sequence, similarly to the way Dexter does, where at the climax of music, you'd see this boom, 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 rapid fire scenes all the way from the episode. And I always used to cover my eyes, even though I've already seen the series multiple <laughs> times. I still don't watch when that happens because I don't want, don't want to know. I don't want it to refresh my memory. Like I want to watch the episode and experience it. And Dexter does that as well. Like there's like a rapid fire sort of like, sort of like, like machine gun volley of scenes from the upcoming episode that you get in the title sequence. And I don't understand the creative decision there. Like why do, what's the purpose? Why do it? What what good can come of that? Maybe it's because I'm spoiler reverse. I don't like it, but I don't see the point. It's like Mission Impossible, well, isn't it? they do it at the end now, don't they? Do they do it at Mission oh. Impossible? But they do it at the end. So like at the end of Yellow Jackets, I think I saw they did sort of just a sneak peek of what's to come moving forward well, in the season. And that Station I get. As well. Yeah, no, but you mean I, at the beginning. I mean, yeah. at the beginning, where literally yeah. you get the yeah. title sequence and it basically is like, this is what you're about to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah. It is, it's, it's for Mission Impossible. Mission, all the Mission Impossible films do that, at least the classic ones. They, you know, they have a little fantastically quick little montage, yeah, which is in that context, it works really well. It's kind of exciting because it sets you up. So you literally have your yeah, dazzling little, little summation of the whole thing right at the beginning of the film. You know, in almost as a title sequence, in the in mm. a sense, I think that's where it comes from. Well, I don't know. I'm sure someone out there probably knows better that there's there's more other examples of it. But it feels like that's an influence on that, and it is thrilling in that context. I think there's, I don't know, I I, I do, I can see it's kind of exciting, um, and because it's so rapid fire and fast that it doesn't quite ruin it unless you actually well. literally still still frame it, you know, or whatever. So I can see, I can see why they do it. Yeah, it bugs me. I don't like it. Of course, but it I am bugs enjoying it. Dexter. I'm enjoying Dexter New Blood. Uh, I think that's that's lots of fun. Um, what I'm not enjoying, though, I have to be honest with you, is Star Trek Discovery. Oh, whoa! <laughs> I've turned whoa, a little bit, my God. and I nearly tweeted about this. I was just like. I'm not sure, but there's a possibility I hate Star Trek Discovery. Oh, my God. Like, send shockwaves through the Trek community. I'm oh not enjoying God. it at all. Like, this season feels incredibly regressive, and it's just so fucking basic. Like, it's gone back to kind of, like, tedious thing of the week, and there's some kind of spatial anomaly that blah, 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 who cares? And, like, there was, you know, Warrior Nuns are in it. Speaking of which, where is Warrior Nun? I wanted that this year, but that's for the review of the special. Um you know, there's a bit of the the Covard Millat and whatnot, but I just, I just, it's a bit dull. It's a bit dull, mm, and yeah. I've realised that the problem that they have had, like, so the first season with all the Klingon uh, sort of interpolitics, I really enjoyed, and you were getting to know the crew a bit. You didn't know them very well, but you didn't need to. But also, you had Shazad Latif in there, and he was a really good character, and his interplay with Burnham was really good, uh, and they had interesting guest stars that came in, and then. The second season, you had the crew of the Enterprise. Like you had Anson Mount as part. You had Rebecca Romaine. Like again, good, interesting people. And now that we're away from them, I do. And I've said this before. I just find the crew a bit shit. Like <laughs> they're just not. Like, but no, in that, in that, I genuinely still don't know the names of everyone on the bridge, which is ridiculous for me of all people that I don't know these people's names. <laughs> that is shocking. And I find 
a lot of the characters a little bit annoying. I do like Michael. I do like Book. Like those are probably the only two I like. But I'll be honest, I don't think I like anyone else. Oh, wow. Um, oh, dear. This is... Genuinely. And the stories aren't interesting me. And I, I don't know what's happened, but I'm not enjoying this season at all. I mean, I enjoyed the fact that David Cronenberg has returned, which I still can't quite get my head around. Sure, David Cronenberg is in Star Trek, but yeah, that's absolutely fine. It's 2021. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and Ian Alexander is ridiculously has, has been transplanted into a new body and now has what can only be described as a space mullet, uh, which was oh, an interesting... Right. An interesting design choice. But yeah, I don't know. Ian Look, maybe Alexander this will... from the OA, as we call him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The OA's Ian Alexander. Um, but I'm not wild about his character either. Like, I just, again, there's just, there's a there's a vanilla flavor to a lot of these characters in okay. a way that I don't think has been the case with Star Trek in the past. Like, there's just a very, there's a blandness to them. And I, I it's, it, look, it, like I say, I, it, the pit season may pick up, but at the moment, I'm just not feeling it. And that is sad. Wow. How far into it are you? Uh, however many have aired. I want to say, what, we've had four? Have we had four? I can't remember. About four episodes, I would say. Uh, are you watching just, it all on that, you know, um Oh, iTunes thing. now. Like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm right, not right, trying to use that now. fucking whatever Pluto yeah. nonsense where <laughs> right. it's like, hang on, hang on, check out the sky. Yes, Jupiter is in alignment. That means it must be airing live. Like, no, what is this? It is 2021. I do not need to watch TVs during a ver- an allocated time slot. What the fuck? Like, no, absolutely not. This is that, that's, that's a relic of the yeah. 90s. Can we move on from that? Uh, no, I'll get it off iTunes, thanks. But um, yeah, so that, that, that has made me a little bit sad so that's made um, me sad sorry Boyd sorry Boyd because I really enjoyed yeah I mean I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the, the bits of it that I watched the first uh, you know right up until I haven't watched any of this season so I was meaning to check it out um, yeah. and I loved- but, but, hey it should just be me you might love it yeah I'll, I'll check it out I'll check it out I'm not sure if I'm going to pay for our iTunes though yeah well it's fine because Picard will be back next year so all will be well oh of course um, but uh, what something that came up on on social media, which was a thing that people were asking, that obviously we do the what we've been watching section. They were saying you should do a what you finish yes. section yes. where you revisit yeah. shows that yeah. you've now finished That's and see idea. if they it is a good idea. I wonder whether that is its own section or whether that just should become an extension of what we've been watching, where we can talk yeah, about maybe. shows that we have finished. So have either of you finished any shows this week that you had previously started? No. Well, that was a good section. I hope you enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, um, tune in next week to find out what Beth hasn't been watching. Yeah, I did. I, I, I did yeah, I mean, fair. I did finish. Uh, I can't remember when I finished, but you don't know me. Is that what? Uh, um, yes, that, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I hadn't seen all of it when we reviewed it. So this is an example. Yeah, mm. and I did watch. I'm looking forward to the rest of that. It's really good. Really, really good. Yeah. So it maintains four parts as well, isn't it? So. Yeah, it maintains mm. its quality throughout those four parts. Definitely. So that is an example. Yes, where I have. It, I, it, I, the extent to which I liked it reviewing the first couple of episodes mm. when we reviewed it, that continued through the second two episodes and it is a very, very good, satisfying um, show. So yes, that's good. my example good. of this new, of our new <laughs> mini feature. <laughs> our new mini segment. Our sub-feature. What we finished. Yeah, what we finished. Um, but i tell you what I've been watching. Go on. Um, it, in between, somehow, in between like watching 5,000 things in the Christmas New Year period. Um, by the way, I said this to you when I bumped into you outside the Spider-Man screening. I, I think we need, <laughs> we at least need to acknowledge the fact that we're probably not going to have time to do a proper podcast covering the first week of New Year, which is now, in the world of TV, one of the biggest weeks of the year. 
quite slightly weirdly. So mm. loads of big new dramas start that week, and I've watched quite a lot of those. Well, already. well, hold that thought because okay. at the very end of this show, we are going to do a roundup right. of the Christmas okay. TV and Fine. the New Year TV because Fine. yes, we will be off the air for a little while because yeah. we want yeah. a holiday. So, uh, but yes, yeah. we'll get into that. So putting those to one side, so that I've. I've somehow managed to find time to watch a show that I have not seen that was recommended to me by two legends, my mum. Oh, The Expanse. Boyd, I'm so proud. No, I'm so no, proud. No. This show, this show was recommended to me by my own mother um, when, I took a, yeah, when I took it for lunch last week and Ricky Gervais. So, right. Of course it was. Of yeah. course it was. And um, it is on Netflix. It's The Chestnut Man. Have either of you heard of this? The Chestnut Man. I have not. It's a six-part Danish serial killer um, crime drama. It's based on a book um, by the person who wrote the original The Killing, and it has a bit of a killing vibe. Um, It's very, very Scandinavian, very Danish. Hmm. It's very serial killer, classic. Like, if if I told you the plot, like, the plot is basically... Begins in 1987 with the whole family killed, and then it flashes forward, and then there's like a a, a female detective, um, uh, Naya Thulin, who's investigating with the Copenhagen police, and there's a killer of mostly women, unfortunately, and you think, oh, this is fairly standard stuff, but it's so beautifully made and the characters are so interesting. And I'll tell you, for example, David Denshik, you know David Denshik from who was in No Time to Die as the... um, preposterous kind of goofy scientist who's all in it all the way yes. through pretty much hey, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah he's in it as as also a kind of goofy forensics guy um, working for the police and um it's really it's just if you like i love serial killer dramas anyway and this is a great one it's really really good it's proper quality stuff like up there with the likes of the killing i think in the bridge and all of that so i so i kind of i'm, I'm in the middle of that i'm, I'm halfway through um, it's on all on Netflix. It arrived like a couple of months ago on Netflix. Again, one of those, you know, no, no, um, no big um, attention was paid to it. But through word of mouth, through my mum, and Ricky Gervais mainly, um, it's, it's. I, I thought I have to watch it, and it's great. It's really good. So that's my. This uh, is continuing trend because Ricky scours the airways for kind of foreign yeah, crime dramas. He really doesn't he? does. He really does. And you know what? I meant to say this ages ago, actually, because because I find Ricky's recommendations really fascinating. The one, the only. English language thing to my to my knowledge that he's really loved and gone gone crazy for um, is the is I've got the name of it. <laughs> that big build up. <laughs> oh dear. Um, you know the Mike Flanagan show, the new one, the Midnight most Mass. Midnight Mass, thank you. Midnight Mass. The thing that Ricky Gervais has got most excited about is Midnight Mass, and he tweeted okay. about it, and he had no idea who Mike Flanagan was, and he went oh. on about how brilliant it was. He's like, I'd like to work with whoever created it, and everyone's going, "It's Mike Flanagan, you doofus." <laughs> <laughs> so, so look forward to the Ricky Gervais Mike Flanagan crossover. Um, oh, so do I. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike Flanagan's got basically everyone else working for him at the moment, so why yeah, not Ricky Gervais? That is true. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Well, I finished watching something this week. I finished watching the aforementioned Arcane. I did go through all nine episodes of that, and fuck me, it's so good. I know I banged on about this quite a lot, but I kind of feel like I've got a lot to make up for, especially this episode where I've already laid into animation once. Um, again, and you mentioned this, Boyd, when you started watching it, I can't think of another animation either on tv or in cinema that looks as good as this Mm. like genuinely to me this is the single best looking animation i've ever seen look i'm sure there are others out there maybe i'm not an expert more than spider-man into the (laughs) spider-verse 
Yes, more than Spider-Man wow. into the Spider-Verse. Ooh, I think this whoa. looks better. Like well, Mitchell's versus Machines uses a similar style, which I think I mentioned, which I really, really love. But this takes it to another level. And also, I take back what I said about the theme music, which grew on me massively. It's an Imagine Dragons song. Well, so despite that, I actually quite liked it. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the music I thought was great. There, there's a moment, there's a fight on a bridge, and I was just like, the direction here is absolutely incredible so it's two characters fighting and they knew each other when they were children so it flashes from them in slow motion running towards each other shooting kind of and dodging bullets and whatnot to a different style of animation of them as children like with paintballs mm -hmm. and it, it flips between the two timelines they're almost reenacting playing as kids to trying to kill each other as adults and i was just like this is just transcendental i'm like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen i was just I can't say enough good things about it. It's amazing. The story is brilliant. It's also, you know, with my slightly tedious liberal hat on, it's very effortlessly <laughs> inclusive and a little bit like, you know, there's a there's a same-sex relationship in it that they make no big deal about whatsoever. Brilliant. And it's just, it's really nice. And the attention to kind of like, slightly sort of like colorblind casting within an animation. That's a weird thing to say in an animation, but it just, it feels like an authentic world. And I really appreciated that as well. And it's just, the story is great. Like the human drama and the tale of these two sisters. Uh, and, and it's, I would say the relationships are so complex as well that the villain, despite it being an animation, sorry, animation fans and Beth, uh, <laughs> the, the villain is not like a villain villain or an animation villain. Like He's a really complex person and his relationship with one of the main characters is also very complicated and it becomes really bittersweet and quite upsetting towards the end as well. Um, I cannot wait for season two of this show. Like This oh is an God. animated show that is well, we'll get into this in our review of the year, but it is up there for me. So, Arcane on Netflix, fucking hell! So that is an example, by the way, of of what we what we the new the new mini feature. The new you have finished yes. the show that we reviewed. Yes, so I'm yes. Just, yeah, yes. yeah. So just making yes. that. Point. Unlike yeah. Beth, I have finished the show this week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna have to fucking watch it. I, I, I'm saying it aside for Christmas, like a proper Christmas watch. So mm. that's I mean, I can't, I can't there. really, you know. You still haven't watched The Wire. I really can't. I can't, in good conscience, say yes. The thing you need to watch over Christmas yes, is Arcane, but you still I, should. Yeah, fine, fine. <laughs> um, fine and Battlestar yeah. Galactica and The Expanse. And anyway, uh, <laughs> but enough about that. Enough about that. So, shall we move on to this week's listener question, which comes from a listener called James Dyer, and he wants to know <laughs> what shows are you both looking forward to most in 2022? Now, this is a question I would normally say for the Review of the Year podcast, but I suspect the Review of the Year podcast is going to be really fucking long. And <laughs> so I just thought, fuck it, let's just do it here and get it out the way, and then we could just focus on the year that's passed as opposed to the year ahead. So, 2022, guys, what are you psyched for? Do you want to go, Boyd? Okay, well, I know my number one without any, without any doubt whatsoever. Picard. My, no, close, not even close. <laughs> Sorry. Afterlife season three. No. Well, what I, so I was. I mean, I, I mean. First well, I'm of all, calling Ricky now. I'm yeah, calling yeah. him. I'm no, calling no, no. him now. Let me just say. I mean, you know, I have actually seen Afterlife season three. So <laughs> of course uh, you have. Still not your so, show of the year. And obviously, is, uh, obviously, I just I'm not. Know you hated Ricky Gervais, but <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I probably won't count things I've actually seen. And, oh, is, I see. I and see. of course, I can't say I can't say you know anything about it because it's fucking embargo. Obviously, it hasn't been embargo, but I have mm. seen it, and obviously, it's yeah. The trailers, <laughs> the trailers are fucking amazing, and and trailers may be the best, the best of all the trailers so far. Oh, the, the best thing, trailers. Yeah, it would definitely be Afterlife if I hadn't already fucking seen it. But Happy Valley, the return of Happy yes. Valley. Yes. 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 Oh. 
the How exciting is that? Sergeant Catherine K. Wood and James and Tommy Lee Royce and Sarah Lancashire and James Norton yeah. and Sally. Yeah. I mean, we've been waiting fucking years for this thing. It I really think has it's, been. What, six, seven years or whatever? Well, less so for um, me because I think I only watched Happy Valley either oh, last yeah. year. I think it was last year. So. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you're a late, you're a late comer to oh, the Happy <laughs> Valley World. But that is the TV event for me. And I include all American shows, you know, um, or I can do House of the Dragon. I include Lord of the Fucking Rings, all of those things. I'm sorry, but Happy Valley is more important and of more cultural significance than any of those Steady. fucking things. Yes, I've, I'm, I've said it. Okay. Number two, I will give you a number two, which is I'm very much excited about Pam and Tommy. The, yeah, uh, Pam looks mad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just the whole idea of Lily James um, and Sebastian mm-hmm. Stan as those two. Um, yeah. And I think the fact that it's directed by Craig Gillespie, who did a brilliant job with Itonia, and um, Lake Bell's directed some of it, um, mm. who I think oh, is really yes. talented. Um, so cannot wait for that. And the, tra- the, the trailer was great and everything. Um, I, I'm not going to go have too many. I Hate Susie season two. Uh, oh, is gonna shit, co- is that next year? Yeah. Yeah, that's next year. Um, Billy Piper's brilliant show. Can't wait to see how what, what she does with that. Because the first season was so kind of carefully crafted and structured, wasn't it? Do you remember around, yeah. you know, the different stages of of uh, whatever. And mm. um, the different stages of whatever. That was very eloquent of me. Um, <laughs> Love the different trauma. stages of whatever. You know what I mean. Trauma, whatever, exactly. Um, so I can't wait for that. Peaky Blinders, final season. Yes. 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 Very exciting. I mean- I, I mean, James has could, seen that. Could possibly you? say if I've yeah. seen any of that, but uh, but yes, yeah. very excited to see the final season of Beaky Blinders. Oh my god! Final season of Beaky oh Blinders. God. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I mean, you I, I, to be honest, I'm so embargoed. I can't even talk about the trailers for that. So, right? Yeah, well, you're so is just, it's, it's. I am so embargoed. I'm more embargoed than I think I've ever been on that. So I can't even discuss the trailers. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And a show that I may or may not have seen the first episode of that I that I that I would have been incredibly excited about anyway. Is this is going to hurt? Which is the Adaptation of Adam oh. Kay's massive, you know, Adam Kay's memoir about being a doctor yeah. in um, in the NHS in this day and age yes. yeah. is uh, yeah. is one of the publishing phenomena of of our time, and yeah. um, they've turned it into a, a, a he has adapted it himself, and Ben Whishaw plays him, mm. and um, it's got like Harriet Walter and Alex Jennings, Kadif Kiwan, and I have seen the first episode, and I am I don't, fuck it fuck the embargo, it is phenomenal like it wow. really captures he's gone rogue I don't, yeah i've gone rogue i've gone rogue um it's gonna arrive in february and everyone should be very very excited about it because i think it, i think the tv thing will be a, a, a bit of a phenomenon as well because mm-hmm. it's so like dazzling and and shocking and incorporates the, all the shocking stuff that doctors have to endure within the nhs um so brilliantly um so yeah those those are the ones that have come to my mind so far uh so, yeah, Pam and Tommy, I'm also showing a lot of of her for the anything that uh, basically is Ryan Murphy esque, but that Ryan Murphy doesn't get to make. It instantly <laughs> yeah. has my uh, instantly has my vote. So yeah, Pam and Tommy, I'm really excited for uh, Atlanta season three. Obviously, um, is going to be amazing. Uh, a new series of Euphoria, which I guess, well, I guess we're touching this in the end, but I guess we're not going to review because it's imminent, isn't it? Yeah, it's been yeah, a jam. It's, very, it's soon. Yeah, very, very soon. Very yeah. soon. Uh, we've got a second season of Russian Doll. I'm very excited. We do. For Maisel 4 uh, in February. Uh, Shonda Rhimes' new show, Inventing Anna, which is, again, kind of Ryan Murphy-esque territory, but with a Shonda spin, which I'm really excited about, which was about a um, young woman who basically conned the rich people of the Upper East Side by pretending she was this big kind of moneyed socialite and 
scam them for loads of money. So that's like, that's like crack to me. I think that's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my big ones for the next year, I think. All American, sorry, sorry, British Teddy, but all, all big American stuff. I mean, there's a lot of good American stuff coming next year. Yes, Picard will return, and obviously I'm excited <laughs> to see that. But little things like Wheel of Time will get a second season. I'll get to see that too. Uh, Killing Eve is back next year, um, which is I have mixed feelings about because I didn't yeah. finish season three. Um, the Boys will return for third season. Like That will be a high point, I think, for the year. Boyd, I'm sure you're excited that Westworld's coming back. Um, I know how much you enjoy yeah. season three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll give it a go. I'm I'm, intri- I'm intrigued to see it. That, you know, and Stranger Things, back for Stranger Things 4. Yes. It's going to be a good year for Star Wars. Obviously, Mandalorian is back for the third yeah. season. We'll get Andor the series. We'll get Obi-Wan the series. So I am looking forward to all of those. It's also going to be a good Marvel year. Secret Invasion, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, and the second season of Loki, which I think I'm more excited about than any of the others. Yeah. Um, so that's all good. I am, of course delighted that house of the dragon will be arriving absolutely delighted more game of thrones can only be a good thing the interview of the vampire series obviously i've mentioned that's going to arrive and yeah. Anne rice bless her Anne yeah, rice died yeah. she yeah. died this week so that's hopefully hopefully it will be a kind of a fitting uh mm. sort of tribute to her as well mm. um the lord of the rings series which comes next september i'm skeptical um, about this that's why oh, I was yeah, on the list. Yeah. yeah well i mean it's like it's coming across as like wasn't it like the most expensive series ever made because didn't it cost them like hundreds of millions just for the rights to do it so like the cost of this is astronomical even before they've shot a single frame of it um i know what you mean uh it's by no means a sure thing but i'm feeling reasonably excited and positive about it um uh, i'm also excited about something that we will talk about in news because it got a trailer um but let's be honest the only thing for me next year is The Last of Us. The Last of Us will finally yeah. come oh, to screen. Yeah. I could not be more in it for this show. I, I'm very, very excited. I'm not as excited that I wasn't allowed on set during the pandemic, but, but let's just move past that. Uh, but I'm very, very, very here for that show, The Last of Us, based on the best-selling PlayStation video game. When yes. is that? When does when, that arrive? Do we know? Yeah, when is that? Good question. I wish I knew. I should have looked it up. If I were more professional, Boyd, I'd have found dates yeah. for all of these, but I couldn't be yeah, bothered. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's next year at some point. I mean, some of them haven't, a lot of them haven't been announced. They're, they're yes. like anyway, but yeah. I don't even know if we have a date for it. No, but it no. is, it I've is got next one year. More, actually, one more chivalry, which is the um, Steve Coogan, Sarah Soleimani um, drama series about sexual politics in the Me Too era that they've created together. They've written mm. it together. And I spoke to Sarah Soleimani when she was promoting Ridley Road, and she's like really excited about it. Because, okay. um, uh, you know, King, they're both in it. Wanda Sykes is in it from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Sienna ah. Miller, L- Lottie Adafopi. It's got an incredible cast. And she said it's going to be really like raw and funny and tackling all of these issues gender, politics, sexual politics, etc., identity. Mm. Um, I just for something to address all of that, which is the kind of the subject of our time in a way. I think is is very exciting. Yeah, right. Shall we have this week's guest, the wonderful, the incomparable Sarah Phelps, uh, who you will already be very familiar with. Uh, she always delivers the goods, whether that's with her triumphant adaptations of numerous Agatha Christie mysteries, dark affair such as Dublin murders, or just upbraiding Boyd and myself for throwing shade at Mrs. Brown's boys. Uh, her new show, A Very British Scandal, hits BBC One this week, and Phelpsy and Boydy had a big old conversation about that very thing. Sarah Phelps, welcome back to the Pilot TV podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Mr. Boyd Hilton. <laughs> That's okay. Um, congratulations on uh, bringing 
golden wind-up penis toys to uh, Christmas to Boxing Day on BBC One. Another Phelpsy triumph. That that just to say, in the first episode of a very British scandal, there is a moment where Julia Davis's character, um, who's based on a real person, I, I guess. Yes. Um, brings out these wind, little toy wind-up penises. And my first thought was, this is an amazing thing. Did, uh, I, I guess half my questions are, did this really happen? Because this is all based yeah. on you. Did, were there really toy wind-up golden penises? Maureen, Julia Davis plays Maureen Marchioness of Dufferin and Ava and um, delivers an absolute knockout performance. And Maureen Marchioness of Dufferin and Ava was well-known. She was very eccentric. She wore turban and sort of lots of stuff. And she was quite out there but she was uh reputed well or she was very well known to always have about her person in her bag like a little clockwork penis that she'd bring out for, for, for shits and giggles for lols <laughs> or if the conversation was flagging here came the penis um and i don't know what it looked like but um the brilliant uh design team created these little gold i think i put in the script that i wanted them to be gold because it just looks so ridiculous um, yeah. i even have one I, I, oh I wow have one from set and it's got a little pearl wind up handle <laughs> which makes me really happy that's great just to go back to the beginning you often talk you know when you, we've talked in the past about um uh projects you've written there's often a spark there's often like an image or a you know particular Thing, an object that kind of arouses your interest particularly and drives you to want to write the, the script. Was there a thing, was there a particular element to this story involving Margaret that... The first time I came across Margaret was basically when, I'd, when I was working as a telesales person in London and I think I, I think I've probably told you this story, but what the hell, I'll tell it again, I've got no views. <laughs> um, and I was really, really rubbish at tele, doing telesales and selling advertising space in magazines. But and um, on the next table to me was a guy who worked selling advertising space on a sort of royal magazine. And he was, he and I, he was very, very funny and I liked him a lot. He was sort of saving grace for that place. We were ripping through the sort of newspapers, looking for potential leads and things that we could use as leads. And he suddenly said, oh, she's dead. And, you know, who? And she didn't, the, the, the dirty duchess, the blowjob duchess, she's dead. And I no idea who she was. And, um, the, the blowjob duchess, he's like, come on, come on, you've heard of her. And I hadn't, I had never heard of her, but I read her obituary and looked at her photograph. And then, and it just sort of, I just kept thinking, what happens in your life? That when you die in, in a nursing home, in penury and confusion and sadness, is that still when you're dead, the biggest thing of your life is that you will be known by the sobriquet, the blowjob duchess. And it was one of those sort of stories that I kind of read about a little bit and I read about her and if I sort of found anything about her, I read it. But I always sort of tucked it behind my ear and, and, and never really found um, a home for it at all. But there's two, there's, there's sort of three images really that kind of um, dominate. And one is the, one of her many, many photographs of her when she was um, a young woman where she, she is just so stylish and she's wearing the kind of clothes that i would i'd fight in the street for and and yet she you can't really see her she looks mask like in the in the style of the time but she she is a fashion plate and then there's a very famous photograph of her at the end of her life and she's wearing black she's very very frail she 
has her pearls around her neck and her rings and her diamonds in her ears and she's wearing this huge black sculpted wig which must have weighed a ton and she's sitting on the edge of this bed and these frail limbs and staring straight into the camera and she simultaneously looks as though she's about to break and also that she could jump off that bed and wrestle you to the floor if she had a mind to do it it's an amazing photo and the image that really really stayed with me that i really that was always there when i was writing was an image that i had in my head from an accident a terrible accident she had when she fell down a lift shaft and very nearly got crushed to death and but it was this image of this woman falling through a lift shaft and 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 flailing through the air desperately trying to find something to hold on to and finally managing to grab hold of all the the cables the metal cables and the ropes and the lift mechanism which is what she did and just keeping herself above the turning mechanism of the lift and sort of turning in space in the dark with blood running down her hands and i thought it's a violent image but it's the image that i had in my head and it didn't really make it into the it, it as an image it didn't make it into the show but it, you know as a as a defining kind of moment for me as i was writing that sense of the fall mm. the, 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 the absolutely precipitous terrifying fall where you think you're not going to survive but you do where you're told you're not going to walk again but you do it was felt really characteristic of her don't tell her no don't just don't tell her no just tell her don't ever tell her that a thing can't or won't be done or that she shouldn't do a thing because she will half kill herself she will set fire to everything in order to do the thing that she's told not to and so that was kind of characteristic sorry that was a very typically long answer no that was yeah that that, that that's so interesting did you think but you did think did you think of incorporating that moment that this oh, yeah, moment it was, oh yeah it was very much written into this written into the script it just never made it right and we we had um we did film it it, it you know the way of these things what i imagined in my head as being perfect didn't and and also you know you realize how quickly three hours goes when you're in three hours and you go christ i've still got to do this and yet i still yeah. got to do that so yeah um so even though it's not there it is sort of there in every part of the script that I wrote, which is mm. this precipitous, terrifying fall. And this this determination, this refusal to die, this refusal to sit down, this refusal to be quiet, this refusal to be invisible. Mm. At the um at the launch screening, um, where you were there with the director and Sawitsky was there, and I thought it was really interesting how there was a discussion about is this funny? Because it did the screening did elicit a lot of laughs from from the audience. Yeah. And you were happy with that. And Anne was surprised yeah. I think she was yeah. surprised, but I thought it yeah. was really funny. <laughs> um well, I, I'd, written, I'd written it to be funny because I think, you know, it's the way my brain works. And I think in order you, you know, if you're going there has to be jokes there has to be a kind of a whip crack of dialogue and it, it has to be like that because i can't write anything else and i i was um i was genuinely quite taken aback by how surprised they were that it was funny i'd written it to be so i designed it to be so and you know i was yeah genuinely taken aback and genuinely shocked that they didn't think because <laughs> i thought it was like it could be hilarious until i say otherwise right right so you know because how are you gonna how how are you gonna get the measure of the heartbreak how are you gonna get the measure of the defiance if you haven't also got at some sense a real topspin of dialogue a real topspin of this is mad this is crazy this is ouch that hurts and yet i'm laughing 
Mm, yeah, exactly. And also, just the, just the whole scenario, just, you know, you've got Wee Wee and, you know, how she kind of, <laughs> Wee Wee, come, you know, the fact you've got someone called Wee Wee. And also, she, Margaret refused to call her Wee Wee. She always said, oh, Wee Wee, poor little Wee Wee. And the other thing is that I think that, you know, there were lots of kind of commentators and sort of like her peer group who were just incredibly rude about Margaret and would always talk about how sick she was. I don't think that at all. And there were a lot of people who said she was really funny. She mm. was funny. And her son, Brian, who sadly passed away, he, he said um, he was funny. And, uh, you know, even when Ian's first wife, Janet, was very, very fond of her and said, you know, that, yeah, she was funny. So I thought, why am I telling a story about a terrible thing happened to, a happened to this woman if everything is so soused in fucking gloom? My God, I mean... You know, look at Succession. It's hilarious. Right, right, yeah. If, you go, you, if you're going to do dark things, then there has to be a snap and a fizz and a pop of the way people express themselves. It it just has to. Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting it, uh, that you mentioned Succession because there are even among the cast, like some cast members consider a comedy and some don't. Did you see that oh, this no, week? I read that. Yes, yeah. I, yes, I read that. <laughs> Jeremy Strong being really yeah. surprised and Kieran yeah. Culkin going. Yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, Jeremy yeah, Strong almost has to feel it's 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 a, it's a tragedy rather than a comedy for it to work. But also, what you get then is that amazing sort of like sibling tension of like how they react to it. Although I, uh, Kieran Culkin's face when oh, he yeah. realizes he's sent a text to uh, Logan, yeah, I think it's one of the finest finest ten seconds ever. Uh, yeah. It's the greatest reaction show in history. Yeah, it really is. It really is. There's just sort of that sort of sense of, okay, I'm just going to style this out. I'm yeah. just going to style yeah. it out. Yeah. There's a moment in, in the episode one of A Very British Scandal, which I thought was so, uh, my, one of my favourite which was when um, Paul Bettany's um, Duke of Argyle takes, wants to take her across the threshold. They've just got married and instantly, like, Clev Foy, as, as Margaret, knows this has gone horribly wrong already. Literally. Anyway, yeah. I thought the very minute. In fact, in fact, apparently, um, according to her autobiography, it went wrong the night before their wedding, which was they had a terrible, terrible row. Wow. About, like, Ian didn't agree with the way uh, Margaret and Charlie Sweeney were raising, raising their children. They had a terrible row about Margaret's children, and yet they still married. And, um, but yeah, that was a hor that, that was a horrible thing. He was determined to carry her across the threshold. And pretty, in, in in real life, what happened was that he sort of she kept asking him to put her down, and he refused to. And she, he she hit her head actually gently oh, wow. badly on the stone lintel of the door. And for a woman who hit her head very badly in previous accidents, it's just like, oh, this is that you know that the honeymoon period is over before it's it's sort of begun. Really, there was a, there was creeping unease very, yeah. very early on. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people talk, asked you about, you know, modern parallels and all that, but just that, that just re resonates for, must resonate for loads of people who get into a relationship and, it's, and it's, there's just that moment where you realise it's all gone horribly wrong and made a terrible mistake. It's all gone horribly wrong. And by that point, you've painted yourself into a corner. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go, do you know what? I've changed my mind. There's a really, um, there's a thing, there's a bit in the crown where there's that real doubt about, Charles and Di's wedding. It's just too late. The tea towels have been printed. Right. Yes. Yes. And, and also for Margaret, you know, she, you know, Margaret's main impetus was to make her father happy. And he was so delighted that in one generation they'd gone from self-made man to aristocracy. 
and everything. What if she'd said to him, oh, I can't. He'd right. already invested all of this, right. all of this. What if she said, you know, this isn't going to work? She had to grit her teeth and see it through. And I think that she really believed that she could do it by the sheer force of her personality and looking lovely and being charming and being in love with him. And, you know, perhaps there was a, I, I honestly believe that at some point Ian kind of was seduced by that own self-image that maybe with this woman he could be a different man. But you know what? You, the, it doesn't last. Doesn't yeah. Last. yeah. It doesn't because the, the the other impulses are just way too strong. I'm really sorry about my dog, but it's the only oh. way that I can keep him quiet. Just to say to this, Gary, is the dog is in you, is yeah. a delight. And I was going to ask you if your dogs are okay, but Gary's yeah. looking very well. <laughs> he's, 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 doing, he's doing really good. So for... He, he arrived three months ago from Romania. He was crazy when he arrived, and he's settling down really well. He looks like a medieval heraldic lion. <laughs> he does. He really does. Um, I want to ask you about the casting. Do you get involved? Like, I mean, you've got your dream team of not only Claire Foy and Paul Bentley, but Julia Davis. I mean, Julia. I mean, like, I, you know, it was, it was, it was when um, you do. You always, you, you. Everybody has a conversation, but you, you know, the, the casting, as you know, is is many a slip between cup and lip and you can have your kind of dream thing and sometimes it works out and sometimes and most of the time it doesn't and then sometimes it really does and you go wow we've got careful and Paul Bethany holy shit wow we got and it, it, you know and then you've got Julia as well and then you've got Miles Job turns up you've got this incredible cast of people who come along and do this and it never fails with me where I go oh, holy shit look at this cast it never it never stops being extraordinary and the instant kind of um chemistry that claire and paul had the instant absolutely it just sparked between them and that you could see that that you you wouldn't be able to take your eyes off them as a couple and that they would just be able to sort of like sit how how well they tell this story without one person being the villain and one person being the kind of innocent because neither are and they they are so perfectly matched and then you have julia coming in this sly this slide commentator, I'm very, very proud of that scene with the with the manicures. You know? Oh, it's so great, yeah. And there's, yeah. A scene that, there's a scene that comes later in episode three, which I'm very, very proud of, where Julia just brutal, absolutely brutal. <laughs> I want to see a whole separate series about Maureen Guinness now, with starring Julia Davis. I, know, I mean... I know. <laughs> you, could, you, could do, you could just do the spin-off, which was just Julia, <laughs> Julia Davis playing Maureen in a turban just going around being devastating to everybody yeah 100 percent would work yeah um i want to mention phoebe nichols as um margaret's mom as well because oh, that God. she is horrible <laughs> to her daughter and there was you know like as ever there was a scene i wrote for margaret and her mother which is in episode three which is really that thing about mothers and daughters the mother's daughters who've had incredibly fractured fractured difficult you know, riven relationships, and we it, we had to lose it because of length. But Phoebe Nichols is a superstar, and 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 she just brings that, you know, that feeling. In the stage directions, um, I just wrote when Margaret goes in to see her, and they sort of angle their faces at each other, and and that Margaret feels her mother's eyes upon her, even when they're not in the same room, even when they're not in the same country, she feels those eyes upon her, and you just get that that sort of rather gentle almost fey but they're like rapiers they are like being watched by that woman being looked at by that woman it would be like having your skin flayed and she's it's 
brilliant and what that does to margaret's stammer and her behavior mm. which is she's the only person she quails in front of the literally the only person who makes her quail who turns her into a frightened little girl when margaret was nine years old her mother took her for a permanent wave and to have her eyebrows plucked so that it would wow. improve her looks wow that's yeah that does and, um well margaret was uh, left-handed and it was you know verboten i mean like even when i was a kid in the 70s it was you know people it wasn't approved of if you wrote with your left hand and so margaret's mother ordered her tutor to tie margaret's left hand behind her back so she would learn to use her right whereupon margaret developed this terrible stammer and her mother was so appalled by the fact that her daughter couldn't get a word out she then said to the tutor we'll reverse it tie her right hand behind her back and make her use her left one so she had to sort of what that does to the brain you can only imagine it to a child's brain and the stammer just got worse and worse and worse and i think that there was this you know really it, it was never a good relationship and also they were both competing for her father's attention and margaret was always so uh, like so desperately hungry for that male attention for that male validation and i don't really think that she believed that she existed if she wasn't held in the male gaze because everything had been about pleasing her father and making her father happy and you know it's where it led her her mother's disapproval and her and and her father's and her uh, and her father being proud of her mm. and you know the parents her parents were would were at war with each other much of the time and margaret was the territory they fought over that's no fun for it. no hardly any child gets out of that on stage uh finally i've got to let you go but let me ask you because we near the end of the year what have been your tv highlights of the year Wow. Well, um, I'm loving Succession, blah, blah, blah. Um, my TV highlights, I, I'll tell you one of my highlights that I thought was absolutely wonderful was season three of Master of None. Mm. I loved yeah. it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. But Naomi absolutely incredible. I loved the way that it was really heartbreaking. And I loved that final episode, which really foregrounded the artifice of filmmaking. And you went, oh, this is just a dream. This is just... Uh, hope and a dream i absolutely i absolutely loved that thought it was wonderful um i'm sure there's loads of other oh i know alma's not normal yeah yeah absolutely loved alma's not normal i could watch jade adams and sophie willen swing around town <laughs> yes like you look like a glamorous sultan you look like a ceo <laughs> I, I absolutely really really loved that i thought it was mag i thought it was magnificent and and really important really really important and I loved series two of in, of in my skin. I thought series, I thought that was really exceptional. Um, oh, there's the American stuff. Like there's the Mayor of East Town. There's um... yeah, I really loved Mayor of East Town. So I I wasn't sold on the final episode. Right, right. I it was, yeah, I I was just like, and also by that point I'd forgotten the the problem was I I'd, I'd forgotten the story of the murder. Right. I'd forgotten why that mattered, and I think that's not forgivable in a story that's supposed to be where there's a where there's a dead girl you that's not that's not forgivable to forget about that um who else like mayor of east town come on it's, it's a sin i am so proud how well that's done mm. i was reading um russell's been doing on his instagram um a kind of like roundup of like so many shows and so many yeah. days all the shows he's been and i was very very shocked about what he wrote about um, it's a sin that he'd overheard one exec saying that 
miserable fucking AIDS drama. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, shit. Um, and I, I, I really, really loved that. I really thought that was extraordinary, and it made superstars of those of those yeah. actors. Yeah, it really did. And I, I found, I found the episode with Colin absolutely devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Devastating. Yeah. And the subtle, subtle way he re- Russell reminded you of how of, of how that happened. Just that subtle little way, that subtle little look, that subtle unseen language of the way, you know, gay men and women spoke talked to each other, noticed each other in back in those dark days. And it reminded me a lot about because I was sort of like sixteen when the first when, when you saw the first photos mm. coming through from America. What in the hell is happening here? What in the hell is happening? What have you loved? What's been your highlight? I love the White Lotus. That's that was kind of one of and what and it's a sim. But I, it's hard to shake successions. I mean, I just I just love every minute of it. It's it's I just and it's the writing, the writing. Yeah, I just sit there and it's that thing when you know when you sort of like you really want to wee and you're sort of yeah up and down <laughs> yeah right yeah excitement and the sort of like the kind of like I need a wee but I don't need a wee but that's the feeling I get that I yeah. really need a wee. Yeah. And, um, I'm sure Jesse Armstrong must be delighted to hear that. That's going to make him feel amazing. <laughs> he will. He will love I do, it. I do really, I, I absolutely love that. I'd tell you a show that I'm stunned that I'm involved in. And I don't really like reality TV at all, but I've become way too invested in Selling Sunset. Oh, I fucking love it. Of course. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. It's just like, look at the view. And it was just like, it's just fake earth. And it's all these mad people. And there was a point where I was watching the kind of like the most recent series. And I actually was looking at, I wonder what Jason's big announcement is going to be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. It's it's a perfect mix. Sometimes to his dogs. Oh, that's really, what? Yes. Yes. No, 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 no. I'm with you 100%. I'm with you absolutely 100%. On that fantastic revelation that you like Selling Sunset. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah, so much. You're welcome, Boyd. Anytime. It's always a pleasure. That was Sarah Phelps. And I believe it's time for news. Now, the question I would put to both of you before we start news is the Golden Globes were announced this week. And my question oh, to yeah. you is, do we care? Yeah, no, this is what I was going to ask you because I stayed off Twitter generally during that time because I hadn't seen Spider-Man yet. So I was on hiatus until yesterday. So I've missed a lot of Twitter stuff. It doesn't seem like it, though. It doesn't seem like anyone seems especially honoured to have been awarded this year or nominated this year. In spite of it being, you know, actually, they, they've obviously gone away and, and taken real effort to make sure it is a diverse system of nominations. But I haven't seen anybody stepping forward. Well, it's not being weird. televised, is it? So, yeah, like, it's, so it's been dropped. Like, in, I, I completely forgotten about it because it's not being televised. So I kind yeah. of, for me, it's like been cancelled, actually been cancelled as a thing. Because <laughs> if it's not televised, it's like, you know, if a tree falls down in, and no one sees it, whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, it's like, does it really exist? So... I compl- I wasn't even aware that they was they were being announced on the day. This it was no. so, I put it out of my mind so totally. But actually, the the irony is that this year's nominations in the TV particularly are really good. Yeah. I have to say, like they tried yeah. quite hard. You can yeah. feel them it's straining. Really yeah, yeah, you can. But but just but if you forget all of every, if if you if you just saw this list, forgetting everything we know about how fucking ridiculous the Golden Globes are, have been throughout their history. If you just took this list. You'd go, oh yeah, that is ref- a really good list yeah. of the best. Im- I mean, list. Ted Lasso, only murders in the building, 
hacks, which we still haven't fucking yeah. seen. Which we still haven't <laughs> still seen. Still don't yes. know when the fuck it's arriving. favourite TV show yeah. hacks. Yeah. Lupin. 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 Squid Game, both in the yeah. best TV series drama. Yeah. Um, you know, in succession, Brian Cox and Jeremy Strong are nominated. Um, mm. uh, so is Colkin, um, Colkin that I always forget. He's best supporting, yeah. supporting, which I always find it interesting. Matthew McFadden snubbed, is, which is an outrage. Everyone's yeah. outraged about that. There's always, there's always a, a, some ridiculous snubbing going on. And that is the most obvious one. Um, I would say the most obvious snub is um, White Lotus. But and that's yeah. Village, yeah. Yes. That one was, yes. I, I really expected to see more of that. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, but it's been an amazing year for limited limited series. Dope sick, impeachment. Yeah. Um, made Mayor of Easttown and the Underground Railroad. I mean, they're all really, really good shows. So it's just been a, a really strong year in that category. Um, so you know, a best TV drama. The the funny thing about that country for me is Squid Game, Succession. Yes, Pose. Yes, Lupin. The Morning Show. I mean. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, like, the thing about the morning show is season two is a massive drop off, isn't it? In yes. quality. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it, right? A, yeah, it's a drop off, but you cannot deny that those performers gave every fucking yeah. inch of yeah. Yeah, being did. to those wildly bombastic, ludicrous performances. You cannot. It, it's <laughs> it's nonsense that series. I, I look back and I just see nonsense, but the. Dedication. You can just see the sweat and tears coming out of them in yeah. every frame. So oh, like hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, but it's just it's just absolute nonsense. Yeah, I had a whale of a time watching it, but it's fucking insane and and and, <laughs> and, and, and preposterous. Yeah. yeah, but in general, though, yeah, I, I'm kind of pro the nominations. It's just you know. It's just still part of. Do, you, do you think these nominations were actually voted for, or do you think they called a I mean, crisis who, meeting and were like, yeah, "How do we save I, the Golden yeah. Globes? Let's kind of throw some nominations together that will seem, you know." Yeah. They've not. This is the other thing. They've not really, aside from saying they're going to try and diversify the voting body by like fifty percent or something, or they're they're trying to do that. They haven't disclosed any other details as to how they're improving in terms of no. diversity. They've not given any real details about how we're going to be able to watch it. It's all been left up in the air. There was maybe one piece on Variety in May and then we didn't hear anything until the week before the announcements were made. So I think people's trust in it have, has just completely mm. gone and they yeah. don't really know what to do. So yeah, it's it's tricky. I'm, I'm the same as you, Boyd. I'm thrilled with what I can see, but it's just a shame it's the Golden Globes, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a shame that it's not being televised because the other thing about it is, it, as again, as preposterous as it's always been, it ends up being one of the most entertaining award shows of them all because you get incredible A-list talent from TV and film mixing in whatever yeah. that fucking hotel room is. All, all of their tables getting pissed, by the way, while, yeah. you know, someone like Ricky Gervais hosts it. <laughs> insults or, you everyone. Know, insults yeah, everyone. Um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were brilliant. It has the best Love host. It. The hosts of the Golden yeah. Globes are way better than the Oscars host, which doesn't even oh, have a fucking definitely. host these days. Because it's not so worthy. Like, the hosts don't yeah. take it so seriously. Yeah. Right. It's like right. the fun aunt to the Oscars. It's the yeah. fun aunt that, like sneaks your alcohol at christmas and it's a bit like oh who fucking cares like that's but, why it's entertaining i think but like while the show is entertaining the awards are preposterous year on year and i think yeah. that's yeah. just yeah like they don't have credibility and no, 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 i think no. never less credibility than they have at the moment yeah um which is i think why they're doing this sort of damage control <laughs> exercise yeah but, anyway that's enough on the Golden Globes, because other things have happened, and I refer, of course, to the Halo trailer, which we weren't able to cover last week because we recorded on Wednesday. But there was a trailer for Halo. Did you both watch it? No, you didn't, did you? No. I guess I did. I just didn't oh, wow. understand it. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's a lot of back. You know, uh, that's the Master Chief. <laughs> yeah. John 117. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah. Okay. So maybe just me. I've been playing a lot of Halo Infinite this week. So actually, I was very here for this trailer. Liked it. Very exciting. Uh, Pablo Schreiber, Porn Stash himself, is playing the Master Chief. Uh, though I'm sure we will never see his face. Or at least I hope we don't, because that would be wrong. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about this. It looks cool. The production values look great. They seem to have nailed the feel of it. Um, we'll see. We'll see when it arrives next year. But yeah, that's that's on my list of things that I'm excited about next year. Okay. Happy. You, Other things always? we missed last week, <laughs> which are obviously six feet under coming back was something I don't think mm. any of us saw coming. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything's going to come back eventually, isn't it? It's, it's, it's. Uh, I, I, I have mixed feelings because six feet under was fantastic. It was, it was mm. absolutely, and it maintained its quality. Um, you know, it had a brilliant finale. I, I remember, I seem to remember. Um, but you just think, what contrived way are they going to mm. bring this thing back? I don't know. Yeah, so. I'm, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big, um, interesting concept, and everything. As I say, you know, if you're going to have, I mean, the Sopranos is the only thing left, and that obviously there will be a Sopranos series spun off from the film that came out this year, anyway, probably. So no, pretty much is. all the gr- I think yeah, they've been, has been confirmed. To HBO. Yeah, talks, yeah, yeah, 100%, but some, some serious yeah. chats. The yeah. Weekly Saints of Newark, I believe it's called. Right, you know. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, everything everything gets revived or rebooted, essentially. Thank you, Beth, for the charity laugh there. I just, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I am excited for, there's going to be an LCD sound system festive sitcom coming to the Amazon channel. I never wow. know what it's called. Um, a sitcom based on the band uh, that will air as part of their holiday special, directed by Eric Wareheim, who will also star in the show. Macaulay Culkin's in it. There's a puppet, um, Apana uh, Noncherio's in it as well. And they've just really, it's kind of like WandaVision, but with the LCD sound system. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. It's going to be good, silly nonsense. James's um, face is saying to me, what the fuck is LCD sound system? James's have- face <laughs> is my face every single episode <laughs> for about 85% of every single episode is yeah, what's just fair. happened. I'm lost. Like I know they're a thing. I couldn't pick one of their songs out of a lineup, but job. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. Also, you know, I'm just saying an LCD is a visual medium, and a sound system is kind of an auditory medium, and I just don't understand why the two things are being put together. It seems like a weird thing to say, but sure. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> You fly that flag. That is, that, is the cor- <laughs> that is the correct James response to the LCD sounds. Questioning the very validity of their... That's it. Um, that, the validity of their, of their nomenclature. Mm, 100%. Yeah. The validity um, of their nomenclature. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'm not reducing the opacity this week. I was uh, just going to say that. <laughs> someone on Twitter called me out last week and said, I think you're fine. Is it not increase the opacity oh. no no it isn't it literally isn't oh when something's opaque you can't see through it so reduce the opacity so i can see through it come on people <laughs> mm, anyway interesting philosophical question though it That's is okay. a philosophical yeah. question can one increase opacity mm. oh it's too yes, early one can. Yes, it's too early um speaking of reducing the opacity mike flanagan has been reducing the opacity on the cast list for Whoa. the fall of the house of uh- that was <laughs> yes. oh. thank you <laughs> Oh. <laughs> for the fall of the house of usher uh where he he added 21 or announced 21 members of the cast and fucking hell one of them was mark hamill so there's a lot going on there a lot of the regular flanagan players are in there tonight miller's in there michael trucko from Battlestar galactica is obviously in there henry thomas of course it wouldn't be uh, a flanagan show without henry thomas is in there as well uh who else is in there kate siegel obviously is there zach guilford making a return as well um uh, and 
lots of other people. But Annabeth Gish is going to be returning too. Yeah, it's 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 pretty exciting. Wonderful. That's yes. great. Flanagan can do no wrong in my mind. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I absolutely. can only assume Ricky Gervais is to be announced. I fucking hope so. Can you imagine? I can't wait for that collab, <laughs> I have to say. Did you see Mike Flanagan, interestingly, um, talking about how he's trying to get Netflix to agree to more of their shows coming out in physical media on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff? Yeah, yeah I, I saw, oh, I saw that. Yeah, but it shows how kind of, you know, bold and powerful he is. He's like, yeah, because someone said, why can't we go up buy these things? Why can't we buy Midnight Mass on DVD and Blu-ray, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well... Talk to that Netflix, doesn't I'm feel in to... Netflix's interest, does it? Well, exactly. Of course, some of the things do come out. Some of the things, but they they very much limit it, and you have to wait ages and ages and ages, yeah. basically. Um, but he's like, no, you know, let's let's be egalitarian. Let's get people be able to see it. So he's trying to he's talking to us about. It. I thought it was really interesting. Little minor yeah. sub sub notes to the whole Flanagan news. A good sub note. I like it. Thanks. Uh, did either of you watch the trailer for The Gilded Age? Oh no, I haven't yet. I am very excited. That's also on my list for for what I'm looking forward to next year. Um, I imagine lots of petticoats and yes, Julian Fellows writing posh people. That's uh, it is what it delivers exactly what it promises. It's hmm? Downton in America, isn't it? Basically, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Downton in America. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's no, exactly what it is. I didn't see the trailer. Was it good? It was good. It's good. Obviously, it's got uh, Christine Baranski and it's got Carrie Coon in it. Ooh. So it's yeah, great people being posh in America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> make of that what you will. Um, what else has happened this week? Tom Hanks is going to be in. Well, he's be a guest on a regular, but he's going to be in the Yellowstone prequel 1883 which is coming to paramount plus obviously i didn't get on with yellowstone so i'm not wildly bothered but tom hanks that's good news yeah yeah i watch any i watch literally anything he's in so that's mm. fine and yellowstone is the great show that that we really must all watch what if i everyone. tried i watched the first mm. one and i just it was lots of people with hats talking about where the river was flowing and i just i struggled to care um <laughs> but you know and someone said oh no it's succession with cowboys and i'm like you are not selling this shit to me <laughs> sold to me I, I i need to i'm gonna get i'm gonna get involved in it at some point. Okay. I mean, look, I have buried the lead, perhaps deliberately with this news section, because there is one story this week, one big story this week that I think obviously eclipses all the others. And it is that while The Expanse may be finishing, The Expanse, a Telltale series video game, has been announced. There was a trailer. There's going to be more Expanse. It's going to be a video game. I have to be honest, I'm not 100% on board with the Telltale games. I don't generally what is love them. To you this week? Because, well, because they're very like, so, so they're kind of like they're interactive narratives, but I feel like you get as much from playing it as you do from watching someone else play it on YouTube because like, it's just like there's not an awful lot of input required. Uh, I enjoyed the first Walking Dead one they did. I thought that was really, really good, but I've not enjoyed the subsequent ones. However, what I'm excited about with this in particular is that it appears to focus on Cara G's character, Kamina Drummer, who is amazing and crucially has one of the best voices outside of Shura Agdashlu's Christian Avasarala uh, mm. on the show. So I, I like the idea that they're moving away from the sort of the core cast and it's going to focus on drummer uh, so I think that'll be fun so regardless of my feelings about Telltale Games I'm going to play the shit out of this because the only thing that can you know solve the lack of a sort of seventh season of The Expanse is being able to play this so hooray I will get copies for each of you obviously Oh, fantastic. I don't even un- I don't even understand what those games are or anything no. so I literally have no idea what that's you're talking fine. about that's fine yeah. point. I'll teach yeah. you it's all good thanks it's all thanks. good thanks any other news or are we yeah. done Quickly, Ghosts renewed for season series four. The excellent good, good. Um, uh, British sitcom, which has a Christmas special as well, uh, which we, which we didn't have time to cover. Um, have you seen it? Is it lovely? Yeah, it's a really lovely. Yeah, Jessica oh. Saunders 
Jennifer Saunders. Jennifer Saunders. Jennifer Saunders. Her little known sister. Um, Jennifer Saunders in it. It's great, and I love the show. And um, me and Chris Hewitt are probably both the two two of its greatest champions. Yeah. And we did do. I think we did a couple of spoiler special. Empire spoiler special things on it. I don't know if they ever actually did indeed. Saw, yes, saw no, the, they, saw the they, light they, day. Oh, good. <laughs> did they see the light day? I'm sure they did. Well, I think, I think they, they did. did. They might I have was done. On one of them just before you. Yeah, get you were. <laughs> you were absolutely. Um, Beth, Beth, you've seen ghosts. Oh, this is news. Do tell <laughs> us about saying. it. You know, perhaps <laughs> it yeah. could be in a Beth ghost slash Friday Night Lights spoiler special. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, Yes. Okay. Good stuff. Well, shall we move on to the review section since we have a lot to get through this morning? Um, and first up, we have Clarice, which landed in the US a little while ago. Uh, and this sees Rebecca Breeds slip into Jodie Foster's good bag and cheap shoes as Clarice Starling, which reinvents Robert Harris's heroine as the star of a network procedural. Because that's a good idea. But, 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 my preconceptions aside, does this work, Beth? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I try not to listen to you, but yes, it, it does not work. It's <laughs> <laughs> the short answer here. Um, I am very, very skeptical of origin stories, as it is even more so female spin-offs of very well-known, very lived-in worlds. So as soon as I saw this, there was an eye roll that scraped the heavens um, with this. I'm I tried my best to come in as as like level headed with this as I can, but I yeah I always think if you can tell a better original story with the talent involved, just do that, just do that. Don't do a, a spin off origin story thing. Um, but you know, try to go into this with a level head. Um, if you haven't seen uh, Science of the Lambs, don't worry about it because I've seen Anvil's fall more subtly than the exposition that happens at the beginning of this show. Um, so it basically begins with Clarice having obviously solved the the crimes of, of Buffalo Bill, um, saved the final victim from Buffalo Bill and is now, you know, traumatised, seeing some quack psychologist um, who's trying to basically tell her that she's a woman, which, you know, I'm sure she wasn't aware of already. Um, and then she... <laughs> She's in the middle of a therapy session when when these uh, these suits like burst in and are like stop healing. You've got to come back and do more. <laughs> um, so she has to go back and and solve the crimes of a new um, serial killer who is coming after women who have a a common theme basically, um, which they get into in the first episode. I've only seen the first episode uh, with this. I did really like Rebecca Breeds. She's very, very watchable in this. Um, and I think she did her absolute best to embody everything that makes um, not Jodie Whittaker. That's not who I mean. Jodie Foster. Um, <laughs> That's Jody like me. Is oh, my I God. Mean. It is December. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. It's been a long my, year. It's yeah. been our a brains, long year. Our brains are melting away. Yeah, <laughs> and she's what she's essentially trying to do is, is embody everything that makes her great while also bringing Clarice into a modern age, which is essentially what they're trying to do here. You know, they're trying to take what it means to be a woman in a predominantly male workforce and try and make it modern while still remaining in the time 
the sort of the period that the films are set in. So she's getting bullied by her peers. Like there's some horrible pranks that they kind of play on her in the first episode. She's not taken very seriously. It's like a check box of like misogyny. You're too emotional. (laughs) Do you want to come to this because you're too emotional? Let's not keep her on it because she's too emotional. We can't take you very seriously because you're a woman. Let's play these horrible pranks on you. Like just all of that sort of going on at the same time. But then also they are trying to make it, you know, as I say, for a modern audience. So they're trying to do this weird thing where they're making the victims, you know, these these victims are women. Look at these women. They have families. They're not just, you know, this naked victim issue that we've spoken about on the podcast before. Except they're showing copious shots of their mangled naked corpses on the show while trying to sort of humanise them in a really unsubtle way. So it's very mixed messages. So they're sort of talking about, you know, the kind of nail polish they're wearing. Oh, she seems like a sweet woman. They go visit the families and things of these women as a, as a means of trying to crack the case. But at the same time, they definitely don't need as many shots of these women as they do. It feels very disjointed, very sterile as well. It feels like it's trying too far to push in the way of, of strengthening these women. And it's taking all the heart out of it at the same time. So it's very muddled. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I appreciated the central performance. I couldn't really tell you anything about the other supporting cast. They're very forgettable, which is probably not their fault as performers. They're just not written very well. Um, yeah, didn't really like it is, is my main takeaway. It's interesting the supporting cast point because actually, like, you've got Cal Penn, who... Um was used to be in house and was brilliant in house and then he disappeared to go and work in the White House in the, <laughs> in the Barack Obama. Do you remember? Bless yeah, for Barack, yeah. Barack Obama. And now he's back in what can only describe as quite a minor role in well, in, in this check a clipboard, yeah. I'm pretty sure. That was he, his whole bit. Yeah. He literally has nothing to do in the show. Yeah. Then you've got Michael Cudlitz from um uh The Walking Dead, who was brilliant in The Walking Dead, who is playing Paul Krendler. And if, 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 I mean, if Science of the Lambs, Thomas Harris fans and fans of the whole, I am a huge fan, by the way, of this whole universe. Mm. So that's, that's the character played by Ray Liotta in the film Hannibal, whose brain, spoiler alert, get eaten, <laughs> get served up to, to Clarice Starling at the end by Hannibal yeah. Lecter. And Michael Gunlitz is generally brilliant, but he is so over the top <laughs> yes, as Paul Bradley in this. He's such a monster for no reason whatsoever. Like, everything he says to Clarice in this show is preposterous, pretty much. Like, he's obsessive about wanting to say that it's a serial killer in this case, and she's, like, reluctant. I'm like, why? Like, for what? Yeah. There's no... The whole explanation for that is completely bizarre and contrived and, and nonsensical. But he's having a whale of a time. Michael Cullis clearly is. And Paul Crenda is a complete idiot in the books. Like, he's an absolute monstrous buffoon. But mm. So it's quite a difficult thing to pull off. And, I, and I'm entertained by Michael Cullis. But the, the, what I, I think she is a big problem. I, I thought she was not good enough. I really... I'm, really? I'm sorry, Rebecca Breeze. Yeah. I just thought... I mean, it's hard, isn't it? You're following Jodie Foster, yeah. Uh, you know, um, one of the greatest actors in the world, and you're following, you know, um, Julianne Moore, who was in the film, had another one of the greatest actors in the world. And yeah. I just don't think, I just don't think she has enough charisma to pull it off. I just feel like. Do you think part of the problem there is that instead of distancing themselves from the film, they lean really into the characters? Yeah, so they use, they oh, mix oh, in right. footage from Silence of the Lambs with stuff they've reshot. Yeah, well, reshot. It's a really weird choice. Oh, but bold and misguided creative decisions there. Yeah, <laughs> to recreate 
key moments from Silence of the Lambs. It, 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 like, like almost the shot for shot, but not quite. Yeah. And with, oh my God, it's but then weird. Isn't some of it actual footage from Silence of the Lambs? Like, um, like, this is what I was trying to work out. Because some of it, you're like, well, they've clearly reshot it shot for shot because there's different actors. So Catherine, uh, yeah. you know, the one, Buffalo Bill is kidding. But then I swear to God, when you see Buffalo Bill on the floor, it's Ted Levine. Like I was like, I and 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 it's the music that was playing, obviously in the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't work out whether it was actual footage or they'd actively tried to cast someone who looks like Ted Levine. I think that cast someone looks like Ted Levine. I don't think that is. I don't think it is actual footage. Maybe I don't you're right. Think. Well, then it I'm, fooled I, I, me because I genuinely thought it was footage yeah, from the film. Yeah, I mean, this is just, the, the whole the whole. There's so many weird things about this project, right? First of all, it's co-created by Jenny Lumet, daughter of Sidney Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman. You know wrote loads of you know star trek things and you know these are very seemingly talented people but i think the decision making is bizarre then it's also hampered brilliantly and i love all of these things by the fact that they don't have the rights to anything to do with hannibal lecter because hannibal lecter the character of hannibal lecter uh, used in the brilliant tv series hannibal which is you know one of the great kind of tv series spin-offs from of, of all time but because Dino De Laurentiis owns the rights to that character, they can't even mention his name in the show. So there's a brilliant bit <laughs> near the beginning where she's re- recounting how distressed she was to have to talk to that guy, that serial killer in prison who gave me, who got into my head. And they're all talking around it, like talking about him without saying who it, his name. It's That's so funny. Fascinating. Absolutely brilliant. And there's loads of like really creaky, you know, clunky elements to it like that, as Beth was referring to, like, you know, trying to kind of, references to her character from what we know having seen that film and read those books but as you say I, I think it could I didn't hate it like I kind of felt sorry for it in a way because they're almost hampering themselves you know by making it a procedural and yep. the first so the first story is like so predictable because everyone keeps banging on about how is it is they all want to say it's a serial killer and mm. Clarice is like convinced it's not and I'm trying not to spoil it but it's so predict grindingly predictable um that I think they should have serialized it. That's what Hannibal did. You know, the brilliant yeah. thing about, you know, Hannibal was 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 an incredibly compelling, I mean, unbelievably out there, yeah. wildly over-stylized, operatic thing. And this, they've just gone for the kind of complete opposite kind of banality of a, of a procedural. And I don't think they had to do that. They could have, got, you know, done, I, th- I think if they'd have serialized it and made it, uh, and I have, do feel cut someone else, because I don't think Rebecca, I, I'm, I, I hate, slagging off actors i'm sure she doesn't lot listening but i don't think she has the, the charisma needed to play Clarice starling so those are my main issues with it. it's not terrible it's just it's just kind of too normal i love you know the books are some of my favorite books science of the lambs is one of my favorite films i even i do really like hannibal ridley scott's hannibal so i think that's really good you, you might be the only one there but carry no, on no no <laughs> hannibal no hannibal hannibal the film has a lot of fans it's really hannibal the film cleaves really closely to the book and that's probably which is also terrible i should point out it it has issues it definitely has issues (laughs) but it's out there like isn't it it's it's out there and it's perverse it is out there it's very very out there very out there and twisted where and and all of all of thomas harris's stuff is twisted that's what makes it Mm. great and this is not twisted at all in any way apart from krendler being a bit of a freakily bonkers but yeah so that's my issue with it yeah it's funny the stylization i actually think this is quite almost intrusively stylized but not in the way that obviously brian fuller did with with hannibal like they like there's moths everywhere and like they're trying desperately yeah. to give it a visual identity make it look dark and gloomy and intimidating mm. um the first episode of this i thought had some promise i didn't hate it actually i quite I quite enjoyed it but yeah but the second episode is 
it falls off a cliff because the second episode it becomes abundantly clear that this is what it is it's just a cbs fucking procedural and he said that was a terrible idea like what were you thinking 100 percent serialize it we've had hannibal that was great focus on clarice and do a serialized thing because mm. we've had silence of the lambs we've set up that character we've got the origin we want to see what she does next like that's a great thing to explore she's a great character and they just waste it in this awful incredibly trite procedural format that we've seen a thousand times before and the second episode has like a bunch of sort of like random uh, it's like it's like militia people like oh and it's just it's just a whole different thing that takes place in tennessee and there's this group called the statesman and it's just like this is just drivel like nobody cares and what happened to all the stuff we were talking about last week um i think it's a shame i think this this is just ill-conceived from the get-go but could have been something really interesting that said i quite enjoyed the first episode so yeah i did as well. i agree I, I i didn't hate it at all and i enjoyed it but yeah, I, I don't feel any urge to carry on watching it. No, that's it, isn't it? I quite liked it. We'll never watch another episode. Having <laughs> having sat through the second one, I was like, no, no, done now. Yeah. Done now. Uh, but anyway, should you wish to explore what Clarice Starling is doing, uh, Clarice airs on Alibi or begins on Alibi on Monday, December the 27th at 9pm. Next, we have Around the World in 80 Days, the classic tale of Phileas Fogg, who sets out to circumnavigate the globe in said precise amount of time. Now, David Tennant is the man in the hat for this adaptation of the Jules Verne classic, and he's accompanied on his trip by Leonie Benish and Ibrahim Coma. Boyd, did this one float your balloon? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not really. Um, is my answer to that. Um, I, was, I was quite looking forward to it. Although I've never, around the world in 80 days, I must have seen like loads of versions of it, film versions, TV versions. It's never struck me as being the most inherently gripping of premises. Like it's obviously, <laughs> you know, it's going to, be going to be very episodic and, you know, right, I'm going to go around the world and I'm going to go to all these different countries and adventures will happen. And so for me it's like one of the issues with it is how where's it going to find its real narrative drive from where is it going to you know going to kind of turn into any kind of compulsive viewing and so what they do in the first episode which is quite interesting they kind of make it quite sherlocky and yes. um down to the music as well down to the music and the style the camera work and the kind of they have speed up bits and they show you you know particularly possible two which i think possible two is my favorite character and yeah. i think ibrahim Coma is really great as him and he kind of the way he finagles his way in with um, Phileas Fogg is kind of done in, in flashback and there's lots of tricky little tricky things time things and timeline things and flashbacks and flash forwards and I and I kind of like that vibe you know it's fine um, but they then go this first episode has this whole weird when he has thing with his brother and it turns up into like a kind of almost like a thriller like a kind of mm. shootout thriller action and they really and I, I i mean i haven't read the novel but i was look i was re did some research and that clearly is not is none of this is in the book i mean this is all you know from the creators of the show ashley farrow by the way of life on mars very very talented and Caleb branson created it developed it and david Tennant is an exec producer interestingly so it's got really big talented people involved um hans zimmer wrote the fucking thing tune i mean you know they're it's you know it's kind of big stuff and it looks very it looks lavish it looks as beautiful um shots i think the stuff where they were on the ship um you know at, it looks fantastic um so the client has clearly got the budget and it's clearly like a big bbc co-production with various european lots of european channels i think mainly a masterpiece thing but it felt a little bit it felt a little bit both contrived to try and make it more action-packed. Interestingly, this goes out like early, very early evening in a double bill 
on the BBC at right in the in the middle of the Christmas period on and Boxing as if Day. it's like mm. Boxing Day, right? As if it's like all family viewing. Like re- they're really kind of you know trying to get. It. But I felt this first episode like I can't imagine like teenagers or even kids getting much out. <laughs> I felt like quite adult, you know, like yeah. weirdly not family friendly particularly um, tonally. I did enjoy it. I mean, I really liked I really liked the beginning of it. I think the opening where he's in, you know, the reform club surrounded by these absolute privileged poncy old white guys being served by, you know, a black guy possible too. And it's interesting they go into the, you know, the downstairs where, all, all, you know, interesting, like the servants and cook are black and they, they kind of address racial politics in this period quite interestingly mm. in an interesting way i like the way they addressed that head on it felt you know modern and interesting and david tennant's having a really good time and um so are most of the cast but do you know what in the end jason watkins having a really good time richard wilson lovely seeing richard wilson mm. um back on screen i haven't seen him doing anything for ages and he's has, has a lovely little role um but in the end it wasn't quite as special and um great as i wanted it to be is my bot is the bottom line for me yeah, I would agree with that. I felt like this was a missed opportunity to have a lot of fun. I felt like it was really going out of its way to seem prestigious, chucked a lot of cinema money at a small screen adaptation. I mean, as you said, Hans Zimmer, for fuck's sake, like doing the, that, that's, that's huge, absolutely huge. Um, and, and I've made it into this very crisp, you know, very um, slick almost kind of set up i've just watched the the first episode but yeah they've they've put a lot of money into that um when i would have just liked to have seen a bit of swagger i think that was the thing that was really missing i mean you've got david tennant doing his his best sherlock impersonation when i would have liked to have seen him do more of a doctor who impersonation um (laughs) which let's be honest is is why we're watching him um and yeah i think it just I, i like shows like that and premises like that when it's like Emily Blunt and Jodhpur's falling off a library Mm. ladder. Do you know what I mean? And and being Mm. a little bit, you know, in a cantankerous so-and-so and, and, you know, lots of really fun, robust characters just sort of having like a swashbuckling time. Whereas this was, as you say, channeled more an adult audience rather than a family audience and just sacrificed any sense of fun, really, any sense of magic and adventure which is what you would associate with this story the only relationship i have with it was the, the children's animation um which i used to love um, oh yes so, where he's a lion isn't he yes and there's a little <laughs> um oh my goodness there's, there's a little mouse with like a catchphrase which i'm sure oh yeah help i could sing the theme tune i won't <laughs> 80 days around the world to catch a, that's the catch one a find a pot of gold, gold. something to, something something to find out where the rainbow ends yeah. yes um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yes no i just I, I think it was a real missed opportunity but really great talent here the opportunity to have some real swashbuckling fun and they've gone down the prestigious route as well to what end i just don't know it's christmas viewing just have fun with it and and try and bring that story to a new audience in a different way whereas yeah this this just feels like it's trying far too hard i it felt like it, it kind of tried to split the difference and then hit neither thing where it's neither fun mm. nor worthy enough to work as a serious drama it's like because it's quite humorless but it's not serious enough because david tennant shows hints of buffoonery and incompetence but not in a comedic way mm. it's 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 a yeah. really odd it line odd, they yeah. wore totally and i mm. don't know what they were going with it no 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 i've just it just struck me that one what sums up the weird the slightly odd, that you're right that slightly odd tone where it's 
seem you expecting it to be funny but it doesn't quite yeah. be funny and it's, the jokes don't arrive <laughs> no it's this whole thing about how how funny it is that he's trying to break this record that he's trying to achieve this thing and in the reform club they're all like chuckling madly they're all like in hysterics <laughs> at the whole idea of him trying and it's not like why is that funny to them i didn't i get that it's like that's not why is it intrinsic why are they so fucking amused by him even attempting this thing that I'd be like, surely the reaction would be, oh, that's exciting. And it, well, you know, yeah. it just Good doesn't make any old, fucking old sense. Yeah. And they keep <laughs> chuckling about it. It's like a running thing throughout the whole show. Other people keep chuckling hilariously at the idea that he's going to go off and try and go around the world and say, but it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a weird, it's a weird one. I thought I liked uh, Leonie Banesh's character. I thought she was an interesting addition to it. And I say Ibrahim Koma is great in it, but I'm not going to watch any more of this. I can't lie. I mean, yeah. I don't. Will he wake it around the world in eighty days? I don't care. You know they commissioned a second series as well. By Are the way, you have they? Me? Yeah. What is this it so back weird. around the world in a week? Like, what, it's, <laughs> I mean, I know it's weird, but they have. Yeah. I mean. Oh well. No. Anyway, no. around the world in eighty days starts on BBC One on Sunday, December the twenty sixth, Boxing Day at five fifty p.m. Fun for all the family. Then, finally, this week we have a show. That confused me. Uh, and I'm sure this was addressed in your in your interview with Sarah Phelps Boydie. But I was like, a very British scandal. But we've had a very English scandal. That's odd. Oh, and then I was like, oh, so actually it's from the same people who made a very English scandal. And then if you go on Wikipedia, they're saying it's the same series. But this is essentially series two and it's now an anthology. Is that the case? Are we, is this the same series? Or is it no, not? No, it's, it's from the same team. It's from the same yes. producers. Um, it has nearly although, the same title. Nearly the same title. Um, but it is. But it's not. It's not a. Um, it's. It, it's a. It's a. I guess it's like a franchise, isn't it? It'd be the way to see it. Like from the same. It's not like a second season of the same show. Well, yeah, it's this a, is what I was thinking because that yeah. seems weird. Mm. Yeah, okay. it's a whole new story. It's a whole different story, but thematically. Yes. you know, linked, and it is a real yes. scandal being dramatised yes. by a great writer. The first one was Russell T. Davis. This is Sarah Phelps. So, mm. yeah. yeah. So I can see why people are slightly confused. And, and yeah, on, on Wikipedia, it's kind of counted as the second season. Yeah, they're I think counting a it bit, as a single series. Yeah, mm. I, yeah. Think it's, I think it's separate and on its own, yeah. Well, we do broaden then from a very English scandal to a very British scandal, which I guess is Brexit for you. But uh, this is uh, this is Sarah Phelps' new series, and it stars Paul Bettany and Claire Foy as the Duke and Duchess of Argyle, whose breakup was, I think it's fair to say, not amicable. Um, Beth, <laughs> is this tale of 60s matrimony, I don't know, swinging? I don't know. I haven't really thought something for this. Go. Well, did you like it? <laughs> wow. I mean, it is slightly swinging, but not voluntarily. So involuntary swinging, I think, is should be the other title for this <laughs> show. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a very British candle hyphen involuntary swinging. swinging. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yes, no, it it did. It was a very. I just watched the first episode of this, and I I will persevere. Persevere isn't the right word. It's not a chore to watch this, but at the same time, it is. But in a way that, like, you should take medicine in that it's like good to watch because it is basically good for you. But I think just because of the 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 shows that we're watching for this episode, this was just another one in the misogyny canon that I was like, oh God, another one, um, yeah. which made it a little bit harder for me to kind of sit through and enjoy because yes, it is about a tumultuous marriage in post-war Britain when, would you believe it, women aren't having a great time. 
when are they <laughs> fucking ever? And it's it's kind of a rumination on that, which takes place against this this Duke and Duchess of Argyle, this new marriage that was born of an affair between the pair of them. Both of them are, are ridiculously handsome, very um, moneyed. Uh, the Duchess, especially, played by Claire Foy. Um, yeah, born of an affair. He's obviously a, a, a down and out scallywag um, as well. Like he's definitely the definition of a wrong one. Um, and it's about their kind of heady coming together. Then, you know, the marriage that happens and then the curtain inevitably coming up and showing that he is a raging piece of shit. Um, <laughs> he just is as like charismatic and charming as he is just the absolute fucking worst. So it's very... Um, wonderfully performed I'm, I'm always interested to see what Paul Bettany does I've always loved his his acting career you know Marvel is one thing obviously but outside of Marvel he always delivers really wonderful performances and this is him they just mine everything that he's got there the real swagger the charm the real like potential he has to be really sinister and then at the same time Claire Foy is wonderfully cast as well she's got that that wonderfully open face but you can tell she's got real agency as well which is what makes her so great in the crown She's got that ability as well to do that really clipped kind of sing-song cadence. But at the same time, she's very what you don't sort of write her off as kind of frilly or foofy. She's She's got a lot to her. And so they really do mind those two performers for that. But it is just, he, he is awful to her. So she has a stutter, which she's had from childhood um, as the product of her parents being, well, her mother especially being very, very terrible to her. Um, and a, a, a lot of kind of, bullying essentially so she has this terrible stutter um which has its own kind of narrative built in so it begins that that's what you know the duke finds charming about her but then when they're together in the marriage he he starts to use it against her to sort of grind her down and essentially she becomes just a piggy bank for him um wonderful supporting cast i love i'll watch julie davis in absolutely anything so that's great as well I mean, it is very enticing and interesting. What I what I need to see is when she starts to push back. So the first episode is very much the genesis of that marriage and why they're pushed to the extremes that they are. But what we'll see more and more from what I've seen in the trailer is, is Claire Foy becoming less of a doormat. Whereas in this, she's very much a beautiful doormat. And it just, I think it was just... Watching that next to Clarice, I, I was just like, oh, God, <laughs> I am a woman. I don't need to <laughs> watch the myriad ways that we are dumped upon. Um, so, yes, I will I will definitely watch the next episode to get a, a much more rounded idea of, of this. But, but, yeah, wonderful performances. It's beautifully written as well. But, yeah, it's just quite gloomy. Yeah. I mean, it is a study of in misogyny. I mean, it really yeah. is yes, it a... Is. a um, you know, a kind of unflinching account of how yeah. particularly famous women um, are traduced and um, and and bullied, as you say. It's also so it's a story about bullying, I think, from a mother. The mother is horrendous, brilliantly played oh, yeah. by Phoebe Nichols, um, just awful. But then you see you see her mother being horrendous, and then you meet the father who's obsessed with the daughter. And clearly not at all interested in his wife. And he goes off for mysterious late night. What, where the fuck's he gone off to? Leaving mm. her. She's like completely lonely mm. and broken. And you kind of see generations of brokenness yeah. within the story. This is what I think. I mean, you know, I'm obviously, I, I, we're biased because we love Phelpsy and she's, she's, she's a genius. But she does do this stuff so well, just planting these kind of psychological 
you know, hidden depths, showing us these depths of these characters. So, you know, every time you think that you know, it's, just, it's just a monster, the mother, you see, well, you see a reason why she is what she is. You see reasons why everyone, it becomes who they are. And I just think it's an intrinsically fascinating story. She's such a incredible character. And I love the fact that, um, you know, there's it's like no holds barred. Look, that's the great thing that, that Sarah Phelps does is that, you know, where other dramas might kind of, you know, she, she's not interested in the kind of like the glamour of the period. It's a period drama, you know, the yeah. costumes, all that. I mean, it's all meticulously done. It's beautifully mm. directed and shot and costumes and everything. But she's into the nitty gritty. That the fact that Julie Davis's character, Maureen Guinness, throws these parties where they, she has wind up golden penises, which I address in the interview, <laughs> yeah. Phelpsy. You know, that little, those little details yeah. and her being this horrendous, snobby, nasty, two faced woman is just brilliant. Julia Davis, uh-huh. what a great role for her um and then you've got you know this lovely this whirlwind romance like when paul bettany and claire foy when margaret and ian cable meet on the train you think oh this is great and they're both kind Mm -hmm. of like i think you see there her initial how kind of um full of life and she's funny and she's rebellious and but even by that point by the way you know she's a woman who you know she's a she's an it girl and she's in you know she's in magazines she's like in the equivalent of heat magazine you know of its time yeah. and she's like a, a already like famous and beautiful and has and who bl- who can blame her for having loads of relationships with handsome men you know why the fuck yeah. wouldn't she like that that is also made clear which is going to end up being you know used of course used against her horrendously it's also the first example, by the way, of like of kind of revenge porn because of the you, you'll see that played out the the importance of a Polaroid fi- picture plays. But I just Do you know thought, what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> but I think if you can get yeah, if you could, if, but it is very very entertaining as well. That I'm funny. Yeah. This is the thing that again, uh, Sarah Phelps addresses in in our interview. What, what was so funny that the launch of this, and this is a very James. Um, relevant issue they in the launch of this show they so they showed the first episode and they had a q a afters with sarah and the director and the director said she was amazed and stunned that people were laughing during the screening the audience was mm. laughing sarah felt was like no i want them to laugh I'm, i want it to be funny i mm. made it i'm you know because there are really funny moments like so for example for me what I, my, my favorite bit in the first episode is when after this whirlwind romance paul bettany and claire Foy's characters get married and literally as he's taking her to the, his castle, his massive mansion castle place, and wants to carry her over the threshold, they hate each other. Instantly hate each other oh, at that moment. A massive domestic as he's wanting to take her over the threshold. It's so funny and it's so like, oh, excruciating. Do you find that funny? I could oh, I could yeah. barely watch it. I could barely make oh, through it. It was horrible. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, because, it, it, but and also excruciating because, yeah, you know, instantly this fucking relationship is doomed. Oh, and she knows horrible. that that moment is what a fucking Belen he is. And she knows it's doomed right at that moment. And I love that. And I think because you see so many relationships, you know, where they just carry on, where, where they must have known it was doomed from the off, from the out, <laughs> right? You know, probably even before they got fucking married. And I love that that she goes straight into it, like you know, there's no fucking messing about, yeah. And that, and there's no messing about throughout the whole thing. I, I, I obviously I loved it, but I'm not a woman, so it didn't affect me in the way that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't deal well with uh, that kind of emotional turbulence in these things. Like, I, I found that scene very difficult. I think it's because like, there's a real acid in his delivery, which is just he plays it brilliantly. But the bullying yeah. is really, really unpleasant and just undermining and awful. And she, again, she plays just that absolute kind of shocked, wounded thing to a T. And you just feel for her so much that I, 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 I look, I, it's, it's brilliantly made and I thought it was great and I can't fault the writing and the acting is, is fantastic. 
but I just I didn't enjoy it because I found it so hard to watch. Yeah, and it is it's because the, like and it's the whole point of the show is to demonstrate like how he uses her her being a woman against her, um, and it's just it's I found it very very painful. And at the end of it, I felt a bit like I'd been beaten up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i and so yeah so i struggle i struggle with it in that regard it's just it's one of these things where it's a classic example of this is a really good show it's just not for me uh in the same way this succession is a really good show it's just not for me um i can't i can't deal with it i'm far too fragile for these things <laughs> yeah i mean i knew you'd you'd, you'd be i knew you'd be fragile about yeah, it, yeah yeah it's not it's not it's not it's not my kind of show at all but uh but as you say phelps is a genius and this is extraordinarily well done uh a very british scandal which may or may not be the second series to a very English scandal uh, starts on Sunday, December the 26th, also Boxing Day at 9pm on BBC One. So, before we close out, we should talk about the fact that there is a big old stretch between <laughs> this week's show and our coming back in the new year. Now, lot's going to be on, a lot of Christmas specials, a lot of New Year specials. Boy, talk us through it, because you'll have seen all of these things, I have no doubt already. Uh, okay. What should people be looking out for over the Christmas break? Right. One thing I wanted to mention is that um, Gomorra, the last season of Gomorra, uh, will have arrived on Sky, uh, Sky Atlantic, and now, by the time you hear this on Monday, that arrives on Saturday the 18th. Um, that's a big event, really, because Gomorra is one of the great things um of recent years so that's that's Gora, big. i remember we reviewed that on this yeah. podcast and when i yeah. watched it i felt watching that how you must feel when i drop you into the sixth season of the expanse i had no fucking right. clue <laughs> what was going on who anyone was or what they were talking about yeah yeah i mean there is that as well yeah fair enough um then we've got um there's a mandy special you know the um the diane morgan show that was very funny um which i think we reviewed um, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, that's tonight, Monday, twentieth, ten o'clock, BBC Two, which is very funny. Um, then we have Emily in Paris is back Wednesday, <laughs> yes, on the Netflix, which has become quite a phenomenon in its own right. And the Wonder Years that day as well on Star. The Wonder isn't it? Years on Disney mm. Plus, yes, yes, which is um a very interesting. Yeah, it's about a black family now in Montgomery, Alabama, in the sixties. Um, I haven't actually watched that yet. Thursday, Hanson and Gretel After Ever After, which is this year's David Walliams. Um, uh, very entertaining thing with Sheridan Smith and Sophie Thompson. That's very funny. Sky Max now at 8 o'clock. Ghost Special is that night as well, BBC One, 8.30. Then we have Christmas Eve, or Creatures Great and Small, Christmas Special on Channel 5, which is lovely. I love that show. Um, the Amazing Mr. Blunt now is a double bill of Mark Gatiss ghost stories. The Amazing Mr. Blunder is feature length. Imagine if I forced you to watch that, James. <laughs> <laughs> On Sky Max and now at seven o'clock. That's like a family-friendly ghost story. And then you've got his more adult scary ghost story on BBC Two. The same evening, Christmas Eve, 10.30, a ghost story for Christmas, The Mezzotint. So full-on Mark Gatiss action on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day, I mean, it's a bit blah, to be honest. It's called The Midwife hey, every hey, year. Hey. Phelpsy would insist oh, yeah. that I tell you that Mrs. Brown's Boy's Christmas special is on at 10.20pm okay. on Christmas You're Day. Right. Do not miss it. Of course it is. I mean, it has been for the last 20 years, pretty much. <laughs> the Larkins at Christmas is ITVs because they haven't got um, Downton Abbey anymore, so they're now doing the Ye Larkins. gods. Yeah, ye gods, indeed. Boxing Day is <laughs> when Around the World Day Today starts, which you've done. Yeah. Um, very British scandal. They both launch on that day. Um, there's a Mortimer and White House Gone Fishing Christmas special on BBC Two, and I love them. They're brilliant. Then on Monday, Clarice is on um, Monday the 27th. 
Then we have Tuesday Wars of Gummage. Two specials. A lot of people really love that show. They're on. You're what you're laughing at, James. Tuesday oh, just, the 28th. Just no. Hard just, pass. Oh, dear. Kenzie um, <sighs> Crook writes, directs, stars in. People love it. Um, but clearly you don't. Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett. Yes, the book of Boba Fett, which of course debuts on Disney Plus on Wednesday, December the 29th. I'm very here for that. In yes. fact, we will be recording, I think, a spoiler special for that when it drops, presumably the day it drops. So keep an eye out for that if you're a spoiler special subscriber. Um, also, also, Boyd, Boyd, yeah. coming out on yeah. the 31st on New Year's Eve, yeah. we have... I'm getting Not there. just, well, I'll let you talk about Harlan Coburn. We've got Cobra Kai, the new yes. season of Cobra Kai, yes, which is very exciting. Yes. No, Netflix is being very generous on New Year's Eve with Cobra Kai, as you say, and the new Harlan Coburn um, crime drama mystery thriller, Stay Close, yeah. um, you know, from all the teams that have done all the previous uh, Netflix Harlan Coburn things with Cush Jumbo, Richard Armitage, James Nesbitt, Sarah Parrish, Eddie Izzard, Joe Joyner, Andy Osho, incredible cast in that. I may or may not have seen it really good. Um, <laughs> then we go up to um, New Year, where um, there are loads of big new dramas. Now, bear with me. There is So on New Year's Day is The Tourist, the Jamie Dornan thing, which is the first... If you've seen the trailer, you'll see he's basically in a car in the outback being chased by a massive truck. Yes, it is Steven Spielberg's Duel. If you've seen Duel, I mean, literally is like that whole... yeah film in the beginning but then it goes off into a whole new and he basically he doesn't know who the fuck he is or what he's doing or how he got there um which i always enjoy those kind of that kind of premise and starts on sunday the second oh there's doctor new year special on new year's day as well i should mention sorry um uh and then um as i say on Sunday the 2nd, Anne, which is about Anne williams who was an inspirational campaigner uh regarding hillsborough the Hillsborough tragedy. Um, her son died at Hillsborough in 1989, and this is a three-part stripped across ITV Sunday, uh, Sunday actually four-part Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Also, it's a big week for true life dramas that week because starting on Monday is Four Lives, which is Jeff Pope and Neil Mackay's um, telling of the horrendous story of of killer Stephen Port, played by Stephen Merchant, who killed four gay young men in 2014, 2015. And that whole case um, uh, uh, was, was the, the police's incompetence and laziness is explored in this thing. And, that, and there was an inquest into that, which the result only came out last week. I don't know if people saw. It was a big news story. The family is absolutely furious uh, about the way the investigation was conducted. That is an, a fascinating uh, drama. Screw, which is a big Channel 4 drama starting on Thursday the 6th, set in prison with an amazing cast of Nina Sassania, Jamie Lee O'Donnell from Derry Girls, Laura Checkley from King Gary, and Stephen White from I May Destroy You. And that is, I may or may not have seen some of that. And that is really, really interesting and good on Channel 4. Um, I think that might be almost everything, maybe almost just about that I can think of right now. Okay. I'm exhausted. Right. Well, that then is it for our little roundup of Christmas. What was our pick of this week? Oh, a very British Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that is fair. There is only one choice there. Okay, fabulous. Well, that concludes our Christmas episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. If you're wondering what to buy us this year, then a five-star review on Apple Podcasts is a good place to start. Uh, and if you've already given us one of those, then maybe a follow on social media at James C. Dyer, at Beth K. Webb, and at Boyd Hilton. Our next regular show won't be until the 10th of January. So you're at the mercy of the TV listings pages until then, I'm afraid. Uh, but don't despair. 
because while you are snoozing away in a carb-induced haze between Christmas and New Year, you will be able to listen to our review of 2021 podcast, which will drop on Monday, December the 27th. In the meantime, all that's left is for Pilot TV to issue a very Merry Christmas and buckets of festive cheer from Boyd. Goodbye. Farewell. <laughs> from Beth. Merry Christmas. Oh, and Merry Christmas, yeah. Yes, and Merry Christmas, says Boyd. <laughs> and from me as well, all I want for Christmas is a seventh season of The Expanse. God bless us, everyone. Pilot out. <laughs>